Oh, do you know what I love about bit. chippies? <laughs> what, do, what do you? What do you love about chippies? There's just something. Do you know what? Everything. I love the smell. <laughs> I love like the got like you know like the the metal kind of plate that when you're a kid, your mum says, "Don't touch that; it'll burn." But then when you get older, you realise it's just barely tepid. I love the I love the cook like. It's the same people that always go in there. The banter between like the owner. Oh, back in again, Roy. Yeah, you know me. Where's the ball and chain? It's all that kind of thing. I love all that. And chips are just the best. Oh, fries for North American people, not like crisps. Oh, mate, like there's nothing like a like a set of chip shop chips, is there? Oh, mate, like a chip butty as well. Oh my god, a chip butty and a cup of tea. Jesus, I remember. Um, remember being at school. When you're just getting old enough to like, yeah, you've got a bit of money, a bit of pocket money or whatever, like, yeah, starting around 14, 15 sort of thing. Yeah. Going off to Tesco at lunch, getting a little 40p baguette, tear, tear the top open, rip all the bread out, eat that on the way to the chippy, order your chips, stuff the chippy, chips in the in the hollowed out baguette, and away you go. Seriously, right? I, I look at myself and I just think, how are you not 35 stone? How are you not on some like freak TV show where they have to remove the side of my house to get me to an operating table, like and get a crane in and stuff? Fucking diet was so terrible. It was so terrible. Damn the chippy every day. <laughs> yeah, every dinner time. Like every, bre- I'd have a Mars bar for every break. So you go to school, you do your first lesson, then you have break. First break every day. I had a Mars bar. I'd have a Mars bar. Like, I'd have a bar of chocolate after me tea most nights, but. but- I, I don't know. It's just how just how lot of when you're a kid you can eat whatever the fuck you want, can't you? You can it's you true. just shovel it. Like my daughter just never stops moving. She's in perpetual motion, it's ridiculous. Quite scary actually. Yeah, it's t- is yours is yours at that point yet? Where she's because I know she she's like just walking, isn't she? So Oh yeah, she's been walking walking for time now, about five months she's been walking. She's oh, okay. tearing about. Um not like not constant, but it's it's pretty yeah pretty regular. You can stop her with a good YouTube video. Oh yeah, stop her <laughs> stop her dead in her tracks. <laughs> oh god, I remember when we were like found out we were gonna have a baby, and we just and me and my wife were doing that classic bullshit. Well, our kid's never gonna do this, and our kid's never gonna do this. And I'll tell you something: she's never watching TV. We're gonna keep her entertained like amazing people that we are. And after about eighteen months. She was crying or something, and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse came on, and she just sat down and stopped moving. I'm like, right, that's it. <laughs> She's watching TV. <laughs> I feel Don't... I feel so guilty for it, but like, it's just useful. Like, yeah, can, it is. You can just have a moment where, like, right, I need to put the washing out, whatever it is. Like, because I I have her in the morning before I go to work, and then I take yeah. so Grace can have a bit of a light in. And I mean, call me a bad father or whatever. Get down. Chuck her in front of some nursery rhymes on YouTube. That way I can clean my teeth. I can have my breakfast. I can get ready for the day and then go down and sit with her while I eat my breakfast or whatever. But yeah, I'd, I'd never go anywhere if I, if, if I couldn't do that. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Oh, God. And like the same with like uh, food and stuff and stuff like that. And that you think, well, that's it. My daughter's going to eat everything fresh. I'm going to be making her broccoli and cauliflower and smoked salmon salads every day for her dinner. And then some days we come in, like on a Wednesday, it's hard because we have swimming and stuff like that. So 
she has to have a bath after swimming and all that kind of thing. So we just can't be bothered. So it's just what I'm having for tea tonight. Uh, macaroni cheese uh, ready-made from Tesco. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's it. I'm not making anything. Unlucky. Yeah. We're, we're fortunately still at the point where it's like, she'll either have one of those little baby meals or... Oh, um, yeah. Or uh, or just like you know the the trimmings from what we have in like you know a bit of mashed potatoes some some broccoli all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember those days well. Something easier. What, what when you were eating that? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, what I do to... most days. I just sit next to my wife. Can I have some mash, please? <laughs> it's like a big tray in front of you. You've got like, a couple of bits of broccoli. You're smashing it all in your face. Yeah, I'm just sat in an adult's high chair. <laughs> Mummy, where's my food? <laughs> there's a there's nothing worse than like. Grace and I are quite um, we're partial to a bit of not not junk food where well, is junk food but you know like you know your, your pseudo market burger chains and all that nonsense oh okay yeah so like yeah we, we, we like to go out for a good good uh, artisan burger or two and um, yeah just sitting sitting out there and then just like come on mate give me a chip it's like oh, you're a baby I shouldn't <laughs> give you a chip it's like nah come on Come on, give me a chip. You know you want to give me a chip. It's all right, here's a chip. Yeah, about another chip, though. You haven't even eaten that one. Nah, come on, more chips. Come on. <laughs> Keep just, him over. There's only, there's only so many chips you can feed a baby before you start thinking, our social service is going to bust in right now. Here's the way you're going to whip off his apron and be like, fucking hand over the kids, you little bastard. <laughs> Police inspector, social services, Mr. Smith. Uh, I believe this child's eating seven chips. Uh, yeah? Come with me, sir. I'll wipe, I'll wipe the salt off, I promise. Yeah. Oh, yeah, see, my, daughter's, my daughter's learned as well now that uh, there's no point asking me for food because I don't share my food. Because why would I? Joey doesn't share food, as they say. It's so true. I do not share my food. This I'm is the thing, child, like... though. I have an excuse. I never needed to share food. All my food was mine. So that that's it. Like, Luna's still at the point where I can say, no, this is daddy's food. And you know full well that she understands, but it's like, she just pulls one of those faces or keeps asking. It's like, all right then, there you go. Come on. And it's not, it's not even like she needs it or anything. It's purely just, <laughs> oh, I wanted to eat that, and now half of it's got baby slobber on it, and it's not quite as nice as it would have been if it was uh, untouched. You know what she's doing? She's just pulling a power move on you, well, that's all it is. She's finding out where your weakness is. It's, it's a pure dominance thing. Yeah, in her head she's going, yeah, come on, monkey boy, give me the food. That's it. Good lad, good lad. You haven't got Just the like boobies. Just like you would. Dance, you you got to do what I say. Dance. <laughs> yeah. Pick me up. Pick me up now. Just take me outside. Yeah, oh. we're nearly at the point where we're not at the point where my daughter now can she can only have piggybacks and that's it. Like pitch is too heavy to pick up. Like there's no way I could put her on my shoulders. I'd just be sort of dying after like the fourth step. So. Onto piggybacks now. That's it. And from there on, that's it. We'll be done. There'll be no more picking up. It's rather sad. It's a bit sad, you know, that last day that you, the last time you pick your child up. But I'm looking my forward to it. To me, <laughs> my mate said something to me, God, about three or four months ago. And it just crushed every ounce of my black heart. And that was, it was one day. George is going to hold your hand for the last time ever and you'll never know when it is. You'll never know when that day is coming. And I was like, no, don't say that. It just kills me. 
Yeah, but I suppose the the plus side of that is at least you'll probably die soon after that and whatever. That's a fair point. It's a fair. I mean, I keep saying my wife sometimes says, um, you know, oh, do you think do you think one day you know you you can find like not me but like you know can you can you find true happiness? And I'm like, yeah, maybe when I'm dead. So <laughs> when I don't have so many things to worry about. <laughs> yeah, when I'm dead, I'll be happy. Then I can just relax. <laughs> Oh, holding hands though, it's awful. It's awful. And I think every time I hold a hand now I think about it. Because I think, well, she's she's nearly seven. She's gonna be at the point soonish where that's it. She or she doesn't want to you know, she doesn't want to hold my hand because it's embarrassing, that kind of thing. I have to understand that as well. Yeah, but then, then you'll go sort of full circle when you start getting old. Like when you're proper old. She'll start holding your oh, hand but... out of like Daddy, don't die and you'd be like, Fuck off, George, I wanna die. I thought you were going to say because she's got to like care for me and take me to the shops and now I'm so old I've got to hold her hand. <laughs> probably hold It's hand probably going to be that as well. Like, yeah. If she's not already <laughs> holding the to... handles to your wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Can you take me to the shops, Georgia? For fuck's sake, Dad. Oh, please. <laughs> I'm old. Don't leave me here. <laughs> drive me to the shops. I can't drive anymore. I'm too bloody old. Oh. All right, then. Yeah, so hey, for that. Hockey? Soppy, soppy <laughs> shit, isn't it? Yeah, men, hockey. <clears throat> Let me just lower my, lower my voice a couple of tones here. <clears throat> so, Will, in uh, hockey this week, what should we talk about? summer for the preseason <laughs> and obviously you know, last week week before was was exciting with the various trades and, and shenanigans that were happening around the league but once pre-season comes I feel like outside of your own team there's not really a lot to to give a shit about it might just be me but I don't find I'm checking up the scores for like you know the fucking Flyers preseason game against the Sabres you know what I mean nah me neither even my even the Bruins games I'm like yeah whatever we like, we beat the Flames in China big deal it's like it doesn't g- mean anything couldn't care less about the results it's more about what prospects are looking to to break into the team yeah which which prospects you think are actually you've, you've played well tonight scored a couple of goals or got a couple of points that's good and, and, and yeah, he, that's, that's all I'm really bothered about this is it and, and even then like you can you can watch every minute of every preseason game and you can have your own opinions on how a prospect has played, but until you hear the coaching staff or the GM say, "Oh, we really like X, we really like what Y is doing out there," sort of thing, you don't have any confirmation of whether they're going to make the team at all. Like, like for the for the stars, there's a winger, Jason Robertson, played played really well in um in the scrimmages, the inter squad scrimmages. Did all right in his uh, first preseason game. Got sent back to the OHL, like, which which yeah. is the right thing to do. But like, yeah, you can't really. What more can a guy do than score a couple of goals? And then, unless you're already of a scouting sort of mind, you can't say for certain whether he's going to end up in in your team's plans. Yeah, same for the Bruins actually. Jakob uh, Jakob Lauko, 
think he was a late pick this year. Like uh, scored in a couple, scored in the uh, the Caps games, the preseason games against the Caps. Mm. Oh, that's good. Get your name out there. It just it just gives it just gives the coaches and you know the uh, the assistant coaches something to look at, I suppose, which is always good. And then when you know, no doubt there's going to be injuries at some point. You then think, well, maybe that guy's going to get the call, you know, in the middle of the season or something. Yeah, that's absolutely. It's it's a yeah you know, for for the fans. It's a nice little update on where these players are at in re- in relation to the rest of the squad, sort of thing. Like say. Jason Robertson, perfect example. Over here, we can't watch a lot of CHL. You've got to really go out your way if you want to watch some junior games in in Canada. Um, yeah. So you know that's the first time at like Travis City and then inter squad inter squad scrimmages that I've really seen Jason Robertson play all year. So it's good to have that sort of update on on where your draft picks are at, sort of thing. Do you think as well after the uh, after the Carlson? And the uh, and the sends video and everything last week. This week just feels a bit like a bit of a squib. Yeah, it does a bit. Like training camp started, and then that it's lulled back into just like oh, now we're just waiting for the regular season, like yeah. or just all waiting for cuts and waiting to find out. Like it's sort of a almost a bit of a false start. You know what I mean? Yes, because you think oh preseason, let's can't wait. Here we go preseason. And then preseason starts, and you think, "Yeah, I don't care." Sorry. Uh, <laughs> when does it start? Just have to watch the Champions Hockey League instead. Yeah, this will do me till then. God, mate, that that Cardiff game against Milton Keynes in the Elite League the other day was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it's the cliche. If it had been a boxing match, it would have been stopped. <laughs> it fucking would have been, mate. Seven one after like twenty five minutes. Absolute <laughs> piss take. I turned over, it was 9-1. Is that how it finished? I, I don't know. I stopped after half an hour. I had to do something. <laughs> it's the, it's the, Simpsons, the, the Simpsons gift. Stop, stop. He's already dead. <laughs> what was the little hamburger geezer? <laughs> yeah, some crusty hamburger. Book. I will, quick, quickly, just to one side. That is my greatest ever Simpsons episode where Homer goes to clown college. I think it's absolutely phenomenal work. Mate, I, I can't really remember it to be honest. Like, I remember that bit because they're filming like an advert for for Krusty Burger, and they think he's like, well, he's he's pretending to steal the Krusty Burgers, isn't he? And then yeah, he the homeless dressed as Krusty goes, "Oh my god, he's stealing the burgers!" and just starts beating, beating the, the shit out of him. <laughs> and then the kid goes, "Stop! He's already dead." <laughs> That's the one where Homer's like they're they're teaching um, Krusty's teaching them funny names. And he says, uh, okay, repeat these names after me. He goes, Keokuk, Kukamanga, Walla Walla, Seattle. And Homer goes, Seattle. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Absolutely slipping my mind apart from that one scene. But pretty much any episode of The Simpsons is incredible. So, so that's fine by me. Yeah. Okay, what were we talking cool. about again? Uh, we were talking about pre-season. Pre-season. And, and yeah, like it's, pre-season. it's good to have it, but it's still just a bit, come on, come on. Like, we're just waiting for, for the big thing to start. Like, what, we were 14 days away, 13 days away? Yeah, something like that. You know what's funny as well is, is the, the, like, the, uh, the regular season's going to start, and even then the first 15 games are kind of meaningless unless you're absolutely terrible. And we're going to have to sit here in a few weeks and, and say, sort of, well, you know, it's only 15 games in. It doesn't really matter yet. <laughs> Just, this is the thing. Any, 
any league, any sport, whatever it is, like until you get to roughly November, December, there's no point looking at the standings. You can only just look at your sort of individual team's record and say, you know, no matter what way it's going, if they're doing really well, you can say, ah, oh, well, early days yet, we might not carry on. If they're doing really badly, ah, oh, early days yet, we might turn it around sort of thing. It's, like you say, you don't get a true indication of where your team's heading until probably Christmas, really, do you? That's true. And even then, you, even then, if there's a coaching change, you can make like runs, can't you? I mean, look at the Pens in 15? No, 16. Yeah, well, they... Stanley Cup, 16? Yeah, 16. Yeah. They got... Um... But they just <laughs> God, tore I... into, the, into the playoffs, didn't they? From like March onwards, they just didn't stop yeah. winning. And then oh, they just kept carried on until June, didn't they? Yeah. Did you see the... Uh... San Jose, uh, that newspaper in San Jose took out a, like a double page spread welcoming Eric Carlson to the team. I might have seen one page of it where it's just a picture of Carlson with a, a Sharks logo and some noncy little writing underneath it, but no is yeah, a short a... answer. <laughs> yeah, he was at practice, did all, all his pictures from practice today, didn't they? Was it yesterday? I saw yesterday. there's that Sorry. one video, and like you get this whenever like a big name signs of a new team. It's just one little video floating around and you see it over and over again on, on your timelines on, on various bits of social media and I'm fucking bored of it. Just where like... Yeah, all the insi- all the insider guys like retweet it, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And then you know, loads of people like just regular regular people like, ooh, Carlson in a Sharks jersey. It's just that one of him in that black jersey does a couple of deeks and takes a shot from like above the circles and that's it. It's like, fucking... That's it. <laughs> I don't need to see this 75 times, Twitter. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm already bored of Carlson being a San Jose Shark. Oh, that reminds me. Um, if you can find any reports at all about John Tavares' first preseason game, can you let me know? I've really struggled to find any news, any reports. I don't even know how he played. Um, I didn't see anything on Twitter at all. So if you can let me, if you can just direct me to that, well, that'd be great. I'll, I'll tell you absolutely honestly, not. Not even you know, trying to be a silly bugger. I haven't seen a single thing about it, apart from people saying that they've seen loads of things about it. You have to be kidding me. No, it's a hand on heart. Who do you follow? Do you even watch? Do you even follow hockey on Twitter? I, I actually do you don't. Go on Twitter. I just follow a load of NBA insiders and hope that some sort of hockey news <laughs> is going to filter through. You hope Charles Barkley starts tweeting about the NHL again. I'll tell you now, I've seen more about Jimmy Butler wanting a, a trade out of the Minnesota Timberwolves than I have about John Tavares' this first preseason game. <laughs> that is no word of a lie. I can't believe it. You just ruined my whole thing. Fucking I've, hell. I've already explained it, Dan. Like my, my timeline is nothing but one video of Eric Carson <laughs> taking a shot yeah, over true. and over again. Are you an, You're not an NBA guy, are you? Was that a joke? <laughs> I know it's probably a joke, but you're not an NBA, NBA guy, are you? Uh, I'm not an NBA guy, and it... It's only a pseudo joke. I've seen a lot about Jimmy Butler. Oh, well, fair enough then. Shout, yeah. shout out to Jimmy Butler. Big up Jimmy Butler. I hope I hope I you find a, a team that you happiness. want to play for. Yeah, happiness. Yeah, I hope you find your inner peace, Jimmy. <laughs> Dude, after that fucking first game, that was all I saw. How how it did was, he actually was, do? He got three points, and his he got I think is either yeah either two goals and assist or a goal and two assists. This but is it. Got like three points. He's a he's a player in his prime. What do you fucking expect out of John Tavares in a in a preseason game, new club or not? Like it's not like he's a 
an up and coming prospect. It's not like it's Elias Pettersson or something like that. Like you have no sort of bar set for oh I want to see what this new guy can do. It's fucking it's still John Tavares, whether he's wearing blue and orange or blue and white, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, he's gonna play well. Like big shock. And it yeah. wasn't it's not it's not the fact that you even report on it. I of course you're gonna report on it. He's a massive free agent signing, you know. Like we said, the the biggest for years. Um but I, I saw maybe on my timeline maybe six or seven different articles and then two hours later the same six or seven were reposted and then four hours later the same six or seven again. And I'm thinking, who hasn't seen this by now? Everybody who watches hockey will have seen this by now. There's nobody you've missed. I think part of the problem with that and like that goes for um, any article it, it partly comes from the fact that we're sort of split between the timeline, uh, not timelines, like time zones, you know what I mean? So, like, when you check Twitter first thing in the morning, it's the last thing at night for, say, the West Coast and, and Central America, not Central America, the Central Time Zone. So you're seeing a lot of the things that are posted late at night. And then as the day goes on, as, uh, as like, the East Coast are waking up, they repost it to get that East Coast crowd who hasn't seen it overnight. And then we see it again. Oh, look at me. I'm Will. I can prove things with facts. Shut up, Will. <laughs> this is all just part of, your, part of your vendetta against Toronto. It is. It is my vendetta against Toronto this year. You're so you're so, you're so, so biased <laughs> against the East Coast bias. It's disgraceful. I'm so anti-Toronto this year. It's ridiculous. Seriously, I am. I wonder in a few weeks... If if it's like you know if it's the same with Eric Carlson or something if I'm going to be as angry you can call me out on it as well call me out on my bullshit I don't mind but is I feel it... like now I've got like Toronto and John Tavares under my skin I can't it's going to take a lot for it to get to get it out because like you said earlier in the season if they win the Stanley Cup all you're going to hear is oh my god we've won it first time since 19 blah, 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 blah. and if they lose it it's just going to be oh my god I can't believe the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't win the Stanley Cup so I can't win either way. So I'm going to be pissed off either way. I think with with Carlson, like we're not going to hear anything about Carlson all throughout the season at all because he's out. He's out on the west coast now, and nobody gives a shit about it. Do you not think they will a bit more because now he's on a super D? Yeah, boy. I think yeah, but a little Ayo. bit. But you think about how much Brent Burns has been doing for the last few years, and yeah, we've heard a lot about Brent Burns but we haven't heard a lot about Brent Burns like we haven't heard as much about Brent Burns as we have I was going to say Morgan Riley but I don't want to use Morgan Riley and perpetuate your <laughs> your hatred um, as much as we've heard about as, as Charlie McAvoy I'm twitching oh are you streaming True. not that I'm twitching <laughs> that was awful that was that awful was, that was the best Get I'm going to I'm going to retire now the rest of this episode is all you there Sweet Jesus. Thank you, everyone. Good night. <laughs> leave, the st- leave the stage on a high note. Oh, my God, Will. You can tell you're a dad. Fucking hell. Uh, what was I saying? I think we'll hear more now. Carlson's a... Dude, Carlson's a... Actually, you know, to be fair, you make an interesting point now because this will be really... This will be the acid test of how big is the bias towards the East and can having Eric Carlson playing in the West on a super defence... Well, we now start to get more reports coming out of the West. Because he's the biggest star that's gone East to West 
can't uh, think of anyone. Since there must there will be somebody. I've got to say, I've got to say since Joe Thornton, because like the the obvious yeah. names like uh, like Tyler Sagan, he moved before he was a proper star, really. And like yeah, you can you can argue you know players like Kopitar, Doughty, Sagan, Ben, other players like Ekman Larson, whoever like they are star caliber, but they don't have that celebrity. Yeah. Part and and the old argument is because they're not in the Eastern Conference. Um, Eric Carlson has the star quality and the celebrity, and he's moved from the East to the West, and he's the first player that's really done it again since I'm gonna say Joe Thornton. I can't think of anyone who's done it since who is already an established star. So, yeah, it will be a good test to see whether, yeah, the the fact that they're out west kills the celebrity or just, well, I don't know, all these players are actually shit. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, all like with Carlson, it's all the baggage that came with him as well. It was mm. more of a soap opera. It wasn't just... Fair enough, even like the Tavares thing, it wasn't just that. It was... Imagine if John Tavares also had a public falling out, like his wife and... A team, uh, his girlfriend and a teammate's girlfriend had a public falling out. There's pictures of him just looking miserable all the time. There's there's quotes coming from the Islanders owners and uh, you know like the whole shit show in Ottawa. Like Carlson almost became like you say a, a pseudo celebrity because of the the fucking mess that that franchise is in. And if that doesn't translate into something in San Jose, then you know I think we will actually then say yeah, it's completely cast iron now. There's no doubt. That there's a uh, a bias against the West Coast teams. Yeah, when, when you've the got the best uh, the best um, D man in the league, yeah, who, who in his own right is a character. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if we stop hearing about him just because he's playing on on the West Coast, like there you go. But I think um, I feel a bit bad for for Eric Carlson because I feel like his um, his sort of whenever the spotlight's on him, it's not necessarily for good things and it's not, it's for, for things that aren't particularly good that are a little bit out of his control. Like, all the time he was yeah. winning Norris trophies and stuff, people were saying, oh, well, he only just compiles points, he's not very good on, on D, like, yeah, oh, he doesn't play penalty kill, blah, blah, blah. And then with this whole thing with, with Hoffman and Carrick, well, I say Hoffman and Carrick, with Monica Carrick, yeah. like... While there's always that undercurrent of always oh, a fantastic player, like the real front page news concerning Carlson is always of a negative spin, which is a bit, bit of a shame, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. And even even talks about even the trade talks. I I watched a couple of um, uh, listened to a couple of insider bits and read some tweets and a couple of YouTube videos talking about. Well, you know, it's a good job they traded Carlson because what if he gets injured again? It wasn't. They, 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 people seem to have that in the back of their mind that well, you better trade him because you never know he's, he, you know, could get injured. And I felt like, but you know, give the guy, let's give him a little bit of a break. There's a fair chance that players have come back from injury and he might be okay. But every everyone I saw, or you know, tweet or read or whatever, always mentioned that you know he could get injured again. So yeah, yeah I it, agree with you. There's a difference between being injured and having half a foot, Dan. That's a that's a real sort of <laughs> sticking point for this particular injury. Fair point. But speaking, speaking make, of oh god, I was oh. half. I was going to say speaking of speaking of people with half a foot. I was gonna make a, a fucking. I'm going to make this reference anyway now because you know what I'm like. I'm like Prince Philip. I have to just blah blah. Like it comes god, out of my mouth. Just blow it out. Say, say that you hate brown people. Tell us. I have to. 
<laughs> no, deny. Bleep button. I was uh, I was going to make a very obscure wrestling reference to a wrestler called Kerry Von Erich who lost half his foot in a motorcycle accident and nobody knew. And the only way somebody found out was he was in the pool one day and he used to swim in the pool with his wrestling boots on because he didn't want anyone to know, even like the other wrestlers. And he got out of the pool and somebody said one of his boots was completely filled with water. And they sort of said, that's weird. Like, why is that boot like different to that? Why did the two boots look different? Because obviously one was sloshing full of water because you had half a foot in it. And the other one had all of his foot in it. And that's how they found out. Mate, I that's, thought, no. That's taking Kevin Fames that it's revelant. I'll be stunned. Yeah. Cry, don't get that reference, I'll be stunned. Anyway, what are you going to say about people with half a foot? Uh, it wasn't about other people half with a, a, half of it. It was specifically about Carlson. Um, oh. Have you uh, have you seen the Pierre Lebrun piece about are you? Are you playing? Are you recording outside? Am I recording outside? Why? So loads of wind sounds. I have no idea. Have you stuffed the microphone down your throat or something? No. <laughs> there was loads of like dude no idea unless the uh, unless one of us has said a trigger word for the FBI to start honing in on our our discussion maybe, maybe I was it and the person who's listening is on the move oh you know it's you you just said just admit you don't like brown people and that's it you've just triggered something and that's it now we're on a watch list I <laughs> will we're getting recruited for Britain first um oh, I was <laughs> Fucking Tommy Robinson, what a prick! Um, oh God, I know. Fucking hell. Let's, uh, let's. That can be our new intro to the show, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. What does it need to be though? I, I'd only just had the first sort of worry that you know we've got a Union Jack on on our logo, and that's generally a bit of a, a symbol of hate nowadays, isn't it? I know, motherfucker. You know what it is, yeah. Those fucking pricks. And what's happened is now, I would feel I would feel embarrassed to put a Union Jack or a George Cross outside my house. Oh yeah, definitely. Because those fucking white, those fucking British supremacist England first mongs have taken that away from me. And I can't, I can't do that now. And I, lo- I love being British. I love being. The thing that's amazing is I love being British. Is because we have such a diverse culture here, and I can go half an hour down the road to Manchester and within five minutes I can get Turkish food or Iranian food or Indian food or Italian or anything Chinese food Japanese food I can get Korean food I can get Mongolian barbecue I can get anything I want and it's great and I fucking love that but no oh god don't let's, let's not start a fucking grinds my gear segment we'll be here all day I was going to say we already spent enough time last week chatting Breeze about Breeze um, I was going to talk about Eric Carlson and say, have you read the Pierre Lebrun piece about why the Sharks haven't yeah, signed him yet? I haven't read it, but I've seen that there's um, it's something in the CBA about signing it like eight-year contracts or something like that. You have to wait till after the trade deadline, doesn't he? Yeah, which is which is crazy. Like, and I definitely didn't know, and it seems like a lot of other people didn't know, that in the CBA, for you to have the eight-year option on a player, um, they have to have been on your... Um, on your they call it the reserve list, so I think it's just on your roster basically. Um, yeah. since the previous trade deadline, 
so after February 28th or whatever the trade deadline is now um, they can sign Carlson to eight years but as it stands they can only sign him seven years which is absolutely mental absolutely mental but then at the same time if a you know whoever acquires a rental at the trade deadline this year then the day after they can sign him to eight years it's not about like the length of time you've been on the on the roster it's just about since when that date specifically the date specifically which is why if you know when you get people trading rights of players um you know after the trade deadline and before it expires you can't sign into an eight-year contract from there it still can only be a seven-year contract because they weren't on your reserve list from the trade deadline man that is really interesting that is really interesting yeah i saw um, i saw some of the other um Hockey Insiders retweeting Pierre's article saying why even I didn't know this. That's when you you know what Pierre <laughs> Pierre must be feeling himself today. He must be feeling himself today. Like you must be looking. Oh, I didn't know that, did you? I fucking knew that motherfucker. I am the real insider. <laughs> One of my researchers knew that, and they fucking told me. So shove it up your ass. <laughs> and then my editor made it look like I knew it all along. That's how clever I am. I've got people. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the yeah, back whichever, of that whichever researcher whichever researcher told that to Pierre unless it, to be fair if Pierre knew it good on you Pierre great work if it's one of his researchers that found it that researcher better get some fucking nice little bonus in his pay packet not a nice little tip nice little bottle of whiskey or something yeah did you see the Justin Bourne tweet on the back of that um, article uh, I don't think I did so Justin Bourne, right off the athletic, as pretty much everyone probably knows at this point. Um, at this point, yeah, let's just assume they're they're oh, right off the athletic. Fucking... Let's just if they're not, then we'll say they're not. I love a bit of Justin Bourne, me absolutely love love his articles. But that's a, that's a, for another podcast, Dan. Um, it is. Bourne made the point connecting back to Eric Carlson as half a foot. Do you take that? You know, he can still sign an extension with the Sharks. It can just only be seven years rather than eight years. What you know? Do you sign a seven-year extension now, rather than risking that you know nobody quite knows what the rigors of a season are going to do on his half a foot? You know, rather than waiting until March, basically, which is a long time. You know, risking that he gets a bad injury, and then you know maybe doesn't get the contract at all. What what would you do in uh, Mister Carlson's position? Do you know what? I've never. I. It's hard for me to put myself in that position. I'm going to relate relate this to another story as well. But are you telling me, myself... Dan? Just before you carry on, are you telling oh, me God. you've never been in the position where you've had to choose between, <laughs> say, for example, a seven-year, seventy-seven million dollar contract or an eight-year, eighty-eight million dollar contract? Have you never been in that position? No, because I deal in uh, figures much bigger than that. Well, I wouldn't get out of bed for less than <laughs> less than thirty-five million a year. Yeah, I'm not even getting out of bed for less than Major League Baseball money. <laughs> Fuck the NHL money. <laughs> Absolute pocket change. Yeah, exactly. I can I can never relate to again because fucking I doubt anyone listening to this can. If someone said to me, "You can have the security right now." Seven years, seventy-seven. Yeah, take it. I I take seven years, seventy million. I just would because I'd be like, yeah, great, I'll take it. But that's because I grew up as poor as shit. So I'm always kind of, I'm very conservative with my finances. I don't, 
you know, I never buy things on credit or I, I will save, if I want to buy something, I will save up, have the cash and then pay for it. Um, I haven't, I haven't even got a credit card because I'm just terrified of them. Um, so, but I, I, can, I could never understand if Eric Carlson did this, if he signs an eight-year, $88 million contract after trade deadline, then yeah, that's sort of like that looks like that's what he's done. He's decided to wait until then to get his eight years, and so on. Um, but when I was working to relate this back to the story, when I was working in finance, we found out that uh, doctors had the option to opt out of uh, so like a you know a GP, a general practitioner, like your local doctor. For those who don't know what that is, you, they had the option to opt out of working weekends and bank holidays, public holidays, which is ridiculous. Um, and all they had to give up was six percent of their annual wage. And the go- the Labour government at the time thought that none of them would do it, and they all did it because I they were like, well, yeah, I'm already earning. Like about a hundred grand a year, I'm not going to miss six grand, and I, I that's what I, and that's what they did. But then they all then got the idea that they would open specialized surgeries on weekends and bank holidays and charge twice the price. So they ended up making something like forty six, forty seven grand more on top of what they already earned, just because they'd opted out. And I said to this, um, I said to this finance guy, I said, "If you're making a hundred grand a year, why why do you need another 40? And the guy said to me, he said, "I was really, I was like nineteen. He said, "Sonny said, you got no idea." He said, "People like that, that's all they notice. That's all they care about. They're ruthless when it comes to that kind of thing." And I'm not saying Carlson is, but maybe that's how he thinks. Maybe he thinks, "Yeah, seven years, seventy-seven million. That's awesome. You know, it's better than seventy-seven million, eighty-eight million." And he might just be thinking that. If it was me, I'd sign the contract immediately. And if I was happy there, because it it came out uh, more through um, uh, Melinda Carlson that they didn't want to leave. Now, I don't know if that's them trying to sort of placate the fans or uh, maybe like a patriotic situation where they're saying the right thing. So when they go back there, they don't get sort of hounded like Tavares is going to get. Maybe they're just saying that because they didn't want to leave. I don't know. But um, yeah, if it was me, I'd, I'd sign today if I was happy to stay there. How about you? I mean, yeah, very, very much the same as what you've been saying. Like, I can't comprehend that sort of situation. And, and obviously, I take 7 and 77, but I'm not a player who's earned however much throughout his, um, throughout his career. And yeah. to be fair, the, the thing I understand when he, you know, when that next contract kicks in, He's going to be 29 years old. And seven years will take him to, to 36. There are plenty of times, say with John Tavares, we can say, right, he signed a seven-year contract. After that's finished, he's going to be, what, 34? Yeah. And you know, he's not had a lot of... You know, apart from that leg break at Sochi, he's not had a lot of um, injury troubles. So you'd imagine that he could squeeze another few years and a few more million dollars out of his uh, out of his career after this contract with the Leafs. Carlson is going to be twenty nine when it starts. Seven years, that's going to be thirty six on the aforementioned half a foot. You worry if when he hits thirty six, he might not be quite as um, useful a player as potentially John Tavares might be at thirty four. 
So I can see why you'd yeah. want to squeeze that that you know, that extra year and that extra eleven million, which is still nothing to, to turn your nose up at. Um oh, out of the situation. Yeah. So it's um yeah, I can, I can understand where um you know why Carlson hasn't you know isn't signing one straight away. But again, it's been basically less than a week since Carlson trade was traded, so um yeah, well, what can you do? What can you do? Tell a lie, yes, though. I am looking, f- I am looking forward to. Um, I'm looking forward to in 2024, the uh, the top three D for the Sharks of 39 year old Brent Burns, 36 year old Eric Carlson, 38 year old uh, Mark Edward Flasich. And they're still absolutely wiping the floor with forwards left, right, and centre. Yeah, because they've only got to play 10 minutes each a night. <laughs> Because they'll somehow they'll somehow get like PK on the defense as well, and they'll get McAvoy in there somehow. Well, they won't because Tim Heed will finally have hit his prime. That's true, young Tim Heed uh, at age. Uh, well, it'll be twenty four by that point, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that Benjamin Button? Tim maybe. He's, maybe. He's, oh, yeah. I was going to say maybe he's Benjamin Button. Maybe he's regressing. Tim Jamin. It is bizarre. He- Heeden. It's like um. Yeah. You ever seen the so- you ever seen you ever seen Social Network? You know the Facebook movie. No, I haven't seen the Facebook movie. Funnily enough, it's really good. Is it actually? Um, it's got old uh, what Jesse Eisenberg in it, isn't it? Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg playing uh, Jesse Eisenberg as he does in every film. But is he um, Justin is Timberlake's Zuccarello? Is he what? <laughs> I said Zuccarello. I meant uh, Zuckerberg. Oh. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Matt Zuccarello, famous. I Zuccarello, and I thought, oh, no, I'm missing. There's a joke here that I'm missing. <laughs> no, just just yeah. idiocy and a very poor grasp of the English language. Yeah, he plays a he plays Matt Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, and the uh, he, he only has a team. he only has a cameo in as Matt Zuccarello, where uh, whoever plays Mark Zuckerberg, there we go, um, goes to a Rangers game. <laughs> yeah. But Justin Justin Timberlake plays um, the founder of Napster. Do you remember Napster? Were you around for Napster? Nah, no, Nap- Napster was. A, I'm a bit more um, LimeWire and BearShare than Napster. Yeah, but you know what Napster is, though, don't you? Yeah, it was like the yeah. some of the original pirating nonsense. Yeah, but it was. I mean, it was humongously massive, and uh, the guy who founded Napster actually has shares in Facebook and helped them kind of get going and like learned how to do things off. Like this guy from Napster, and apparently it's it's in the film. But Justin Timberlake's character says to Jess Eisenberg, "You know, it's better than million dollars, a billion dollars." And I do wonder if these players, like I said, like Carson's looking at a contract, seventy years, seventy million, thinking that's good, but eighty million's even better. He's <laughs> just you know he just blinks and his eyes go ching, and there's dollar signs in there. He d- he does raise a point, like you know. Why have seventy million dollars when you can have seventy million dollars and you've already paid for a ten million dollar home? Like, because the chances of the the chances of him getting injured between now and the trade deadline are small. They really are. I mean, you think no, they're not small. Don't don't fucking give me that shit. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, an injury that would completely do you that would make the sharks think, oh, forget it. Yeah, but like that could be that could be any injury. Twenty year old. No, 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 but I'm talking about like, no, because like if Carlson takes like a puck to the hip or something, that's not, that's just an injury. It's not an injury, is it? I mean like an injury where you think, oh, fuck, 
this changes everything. Yeah, yeah, because career-ending injuries notoriously only happen after March 1st. Like, <laughs> you fucking are. No. No. Right. Well, how many 28-year-olds, how many 28-year-olds, like, at their absolute prime, like Eric Carlson is now, can you name? The most, like, you're, you're talking like it happens every season. They're like, oh, we lost another one. I can't believe it. He's gone again. Dropping like flies. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, they've got like the green screen up right, the horses are at the Grand National, they've got to shoot them or something. We'll have to put him down. He's done, boys. He's done. We've lost another one, I can't believe it. It's like platoon. Yeah, no, but how how happen. many how many are skating around with half a foot though? I get it. But I'm 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 talking about like you know you know what I'm trying to say? One of those injuries where you think, Oh dear, oh this is could be really, really bad. The chances of it happening are small between now and then. You've only got to keep yourself safe for, what, five months? Keep yourself safe. Fucking said a horror Stop trying to twist, trying to twist <laughs> my words. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. It's like, he's like feigning an injury because he's too scared to go out and play. <laughs> i just got to make just got to make it to March. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I can't play today. Uh, I've got a note from my mum. She says... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed. I forgot my PE kit. Like you know when you know when players get sent home to deal with personal issues, like you know either like there's a bereavement in the family or you know like when Jake Allen's head just wasn't right. Like uh, yeah, we sent Eric Carlson to at home to deal with some personal issues for the next six months, and he's just sitting in like a padded room, absolutely wrapped in bubble wrap, and he's like, oh, I just can't break, can't break myself until March. He's on the he's on the phone to Doug Wilson. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is Eric Carlson's father. Uh, Eric's grandmother died. <laughs> Doug Wilson's like again. <laughs> you can't come in today. Bye. <laughs> he had a very he had a polyamorous set of yeah. of lesbian grandmothers. Come on though, you must like come on. You can't seriously. Be, you, you must know what I'm saying here. I'm not trying to say he's got to keep himself safe, but. He's only got to not get a career-threatening injury in the next five months. What are the chances of that? Seriously? <laughs> yeah, the chances are slim, but they're still, like... It's not something you can control. Like, nobody nobody goes out there, like, hopping over the boards for a shift, like... I'm going to, you know, not worry about getting injured now. Like, I'm just... Well, all right, I've just... I've painted myself into a corner here. You know what I mean. Fuck you, Dan. That's what I'm getting at. Right, that's one all. There we go. That one. <laughs> no, that one all. It's like getting in your... Do you know what it is? It's like getting in your car. Every day, every day, people are killed just driving to work. But every day you get in your car, you're just like, yay, get in my car, off I go. It won't happen to me. And that's what he, that's just what he's thinking. He's like, yeah, I'll skate every day. I'll be fine. Nothing's happened to me. You've just rounded you back on your own... Thinking. You've rounded back on your own example of, of NHL players getting career-ending injuries every year. No, but this is what I mean. This is what I mean. Players of this, for some, I don't know why, but like, I can't think of any absolute phenomenal players who've got a career-threatening injury at twenty-eight. There's like, there's players who've obviously got career-threatening injuries. I'm not saying that, but like I say, I mean, yeah, players get injured all the time. That's just part of the game. But an injury where the sharks then look at him and go, "Fuck that!" Like, there's no way we're offering you a contract now. I can't think that's going to happen. Not between now and then. Yeah, you, deadline. you raise a good point. Like, you wonder, like, Carlson could go down in December for the rest of the season. They'd probably still give him eight years. 
Yeah, if it was, you know, if you, like you say, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe if you know, if he gets like a, I don't know, like a Shea Weber type thing or something, where he has to go for surgery and it turns out it's way worse, that then maybe then they'll have pause to think. You know, they might think, well, actually, yeah, this isn't worth it, or they offer him a lesser deal. But it would what? have to be something super severe for them to not offer him a mega deal. An excellent example is um, also on the Montreal Canadiens, Kerry Price. Kerry Price has missed like basically entire seasons. He's <laughs> yeah, sitting exactly. on an eight year to half million dollar deal. Like he's sat on a fucking ridiculous contract. He's probably going to play less than thirty games this year as well. Exactly. Fucking hell, mate! What a, what a situation over in uh, over in Quebec. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> should we uh, should we transition then into uh... oh shit I knew <laughs> yeah look at this look at this there we go that's, that's this is how professional natural, that is. this is how professional we are now yeah that's it we're just we're just getting these transitions just willy nilly we're just plucking them out of the air well um, we need we need to save the willy nilly one for later <laughs> yeah yeah for sure <laughs> Um, I mean you know you know what it's like Will you get towards the end of the season, every point matters, tempers get riled. <laughs> you know, at this late stage of, of the hockey season, it, it's no surprise Max Domi um, just blasted Aaron Eckblad in the face, you know, with a cheap shot. You know, I mean, everyone's scrapping for points. It was so close to the playoffs. Uh, I can't blame him. Can you? No, I can't. I, I really can't. No. I think um, it was the only reasonable action to take against such oppression yeah. from Aaron Ekblad. That's true. Uh, in, in the face of such goading as well. And with with such high stakes on the line. I know. The only, the only sensible thing to do, really. Um, he had so much to prove. Uh, I, tr- I, I don't know what else there is to say, really. Like... Um, yeah, it it was very very sensible. The good news is the good news is for uh, Habs fans is that Max Domi showed he can handle the pressure cooker that is Montreal. I think that's good. He he's not going to be phased by wearing that jersey at all, mate. <laughs> so for... he had a bad night as well, didn't he? He didn't have a good night either. Oh, His whole p- night was bad. He was pedestrian at best. I think he was just he, he had like. I don't know, he was on the ice for like five shots or something, something ridiculous like, like that. I've... Yeah, he was on. He was on for twelve minutes. Um, after four minutes, he made a mistake that cost the Habs a goal. And then when they were down, they were they were down two one, and they were on the power play for eleven seconds before before he got an interference penalty, which then obviously fucked up the power play. And he only won three out of nine faceoffs. I didn't have a shot on net either. Actually, it's almost like he wasn't suited to playing centre and has never played centre in the <laughs> NHL before and they threw out a player who's for all intents and purposes a rookie as their first line centre it's almost like that but obviously not uh, just in oh, case man. Mark Bergevin's listening those are not my opinions Mark those are all Will's opinions I'm just please don't crush my player. melon Please don't, please don't crush my skull like uh, the fucking mountain at the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. Please. You'll mock my centers, huh? How can I mock your centers when you don't have any centers, Mark? Ah. 
See what Luongo said after the game as well. I didn't see what Luongo said. What did he say? Was it something um, He's... defamatory about... Um... He wasn't happy. Me. Well, I'll put it that way. Let's say he wasn't <laughs> happy. He said it was a uh, yeah. He said it was gutless, and he's now and he said we're not going to forget this. I was like, oh shit, son! Get out! Like Domi's already got Domi's already got a sniper rifle trained on his back from Florida for the next game. Man, I can't wait. Lou looks like he has mob ties as well, doesn't he? Oh, totally! Oh my god! If like of all the players in NHL, if you had to pick anybody to be in with the mob, it's totally Lou. There's no doubt. Absolutely, Lou, Vinny Trocheck as well. Like he's a bit. Well, that's probably because he does. I think. <laughs> like legit. The same. Say nothing about that. Um, mind. Who? Uh, who else? Can we. Well, yeah, just basically anyone who's a little bit Italian, really. Yeah. Um, anybody or anyone who's got a vowel at the end of their name. Who's Who's got Vinny Vinny Strozier? You know, if you've got the name Vinny, you've probably got mob ties, really, haven't you? I was going to say yeah. No, with the name Vinny or Tony. Oh, oh, Roberto. The thing is, as well, like Domi's what five, five nine, five ten? Is he? He's not a big guy, is he? He's always oh, a little fucker, isn't he? <laughs> he's gonna have some fucking big dudes after him as well. Oh god! I imagine if they still had Sean Thornton on the roster, like that'd be, that'd oh. be he'd just eat him alive, <laughs> wouldn't he? Jesus. So, what's he thinking? It was so dumb. This is it, like, back to... All right, for for anyone who doesn't know, I know we've been talking about oh, this yeah. for about five minutes. So, <laughs> um, pre-season game between the Panthers and the Canadiens. Max Domi, newly acquired from the from the Coyotes for Alex Galchenyuk, who is being shoehorned into the number one centre position despite having played left wing for the majority of his career I think he played a bit of centre in junior but even then he played a lot of the wing I know he played wing at the world championship uh, the world juniors rather got into a bit of an altercation with Aaron Ekblad behind the play Ekblad slashed him on the back of the legs um, Domi, took, Domi took an exception to that a couple of rabbit punches with the gloves enough that it led Ekblad to you know Ekblad clearly wasn't interested in having a fight in the first pre-season game of the season for, for Mr. Ekblad and I believe Mr. Domi as well. Ekblad turns to look at the refs to say, come on, are you going to do something about this this clown? Um, get his yappy dog off me. Yeah, yeah, can you please get your Jack Russell away from me, sir? <laughs> Control your pet. At which point... Um, I was going to think of another small dog, but I've uh, forgotten. Uh, anyway, Domi drops the glove socks Aaron Ekblad when he's not looking drops him and um, gets a game misconduct and see you later Mr Domi uh, for me as we were joking earlier like Max Domi has nothing to prove I know like he's moving into a new position this year but like Max Domi is for all intents and purposes an established NHL player at this point he doesn't doesn't fucking need to do that sort of shit like what is he He's not like he's not got to fight his way onto the team. Like by default, he is going to play because he has been elected by Mark Bergevin to be the next number one center of the of the Montreal Canadiens. Like he he has a roster spot. Um, it's just fucking, it's fucking gutless, and like it's not even gutless. Like it's, like stupid. Yeah, I'm thinking that I'm struggling for the word, but like, you know, 
as, as much as you know, these teams are pitted against each other. Like you know, they're all five in the Stanley Cup. They all uh, they're in competition with each other, but they're all hockey players at the end of the day. Like, why would you want in the in one of the first preseason games of the season to, like, you know, smack a geezer who's had concussion issues with a with a sucker punch? Like, it's just fucking selfish and stupid. Like. It's just a dick move. Bud got checked out, didn't he? And he's and he's fine, isn't he? He has no like. I don't think he. Wrong. Yeah, he's fine, but I don't think he skated for the rest of the game just because they no, wanted no, to they keep him, him safe. Yeah, they took him out. Yeah. And have you heard so about the um, the hearing he had? Breaking, breaking. Yeah, yeah there breaking, we go. Breaking news. Yeah. And and this is this this is further to our point. So the breaking news at this point is you know Domi's had a hearing with with the Department of Player Safety. And he's been suspended for the remainder of the preseason, which, to my point of Domi having nothing to prove, that doesn't affect Max Domi whatsoever. Like he doesn't need no. those preseason games to earn his place on the roster. Like those preseason games mean fuck all to him. Like he's not even being paid for his services at this point. He's just getting per diem and his travel covered, and he probably still will get the per diem and the travel for going to practice. Like it's such a non-punishment for something that's really quite dangerous and this is a player who's already had a suspension within the last two years so he's eligible for repeat offender status it's just fucking like it's a joke I know because you don't but then it's oh god we've said it before we're with certain players that they just don't seem but to be fair it's kind of out of character for him, really, isn't it? He had one. I think. I think already had. He had one hearing before for something, but it's not like he's Marshan, like you know, doing it every other fucking week. It seemed to just. Well, he, he does, doesn't he? It, it seems to be that he put on that jersey and thought, right, that's it. I'm playing in Montreal now. I've got to stand up and not have anybody talk down to me or anything. And he just lost his head for some reason. Yeah, I, I hear that. He's, he's, he feels like he has to earn that that logo on his chest. And, like, the the really annoying thing, I don't know if you've seen much of it, but on Twitter, so many people are coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, it's just part of hockey, or, you know, like, if you don't like this sort of thing, then stop being such a big girl's blouse or whatever. Like, it's so the antithesis of... Even if you're, the, like, the staunchest defender of fighting in hockey... What Domi did to Ekblad is the antithesis of the code that Enforcers had. Like this yeah, exactly. is a this is a player who has an injury history and did not engage or want to fight. Like, you know, there are so many people out there saying, like, oh yeah, this is what hockey's all about, you know, he should have expected a punch. Like, no, no, he is he's clearly not engaged in the fight. If you ask any enforcer, they're gonna say to you, you know, if someone doesn't want to fight, you don't fight them. And that's not a fight. Exactly. That's a punch. That's it's just it's a cheap shot. Yeah, it's a cheap shot. That's exactly what it is, and uh, and it's so infuriating that people are using it as as a flag for like, oh yo, know, uh, old timey hockey. This is what the NHL should be about. Like, no, no, like I love a good fight and a good big hit as much as the next guy, but that's not what it's about. That's not a fight. That's punching someone in the face. That that's no different to going in for a face off, suddenly dropping your sticks and gloves and punching Henrik Stadine in the face. Like Yeah, exactly. It's fucking bullshit, Dad. Bullshit. Fuck you, Max Dover, you racist prick. I'm still <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not sh- I'm still not sure 
where I stand on the whole fighting thing. But if there's a fight, two guys square off and start wailing on each other, fine. At that moment, if those two guys decide they want to go at it and they start, I have, I have no problem with that. You know, you're, you're big enough and stupid enough to make those decisions. But just fucking cheap shotting a guy. Because she, the way he knocks his glove off as well, it's almost, he, he does it almost secretively. He doesn't like fling it at like Ekblad's face to say, look, my glove's off now. He We're just fighting. puts his hand down and yeah. shakes it. And then it just comes up. I know there's no way, there's no way Ekblad's gonna know that's gonna happen. Not a chance. Which because you see you see in the video Ekblad's got like a foot on him. Like yeah. Max Dobby must ridiculous. know in the back of his mind that if Ekblad wants to fight him, he'd eat him alive. And that's all that's gonna do now is just cause it's just cause problems next time. Because now like this is now the problem is that if that has been just a legit fight fine there's nothing to come back on now the Panthers are going to make a are going to try and do something to Max you just know they are they're going to go after him well you've you've got and the quotes from getting more problems you've got the quotes from yeah, the one go like Keith Yandel as well Vinny Trocek like there are there are players on the Panthers who aren't experienced enough to give him a fucking arse whooping yeah exactly and I, for one, am thoroughly excited for it. <laughs> Can't wait. Maybe taking, a, maybe eating one of those uh, Mark Bergevin, Nate Schmidt steaks before he went on the ice, <laughs> and he was just uncontrollable rage. <laughs> Is it, you don't see Mark Bergevin getting suspended for twenty games, do you? That's true. <laughs> uh, okay, what should we do? Uh, he looks enough like Mark Ruffalo, doesn't he? Or Bergevin. Uh, maybe. Maybe not enough like Ruffalo, but he looks enough like the Hulk. I was going to say, I suppose enough to make Hulk comparisons. For the sake of comedy, Will, let's just say yes, yes, he does. He's basically <laughs> a, a dead ringer for Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> if you're painting him green, he's just the Hulk. That is true. Um... um should we do uh, just quickly on a uh, Clay Riddle from the Flames? Uh, yeah, if you want to take the lead, because I still know basically nothing about it. There was yeah, again, it was um, just a. I mean, again, as as far as I was aware, not one of the more um, well-known owners in the NHL. Part of an ownership group, um, died aged eighty-one this week. So R.I.P. Best wishes to your family and everything. Everybody said, uh, everyone sort of that was interviewed or all the quotes I saw said that he was a great guy. Um, I, I The quote I loved, the quote I loved, um, and again, probably not of him great at the time, but in 2014, he lost a billion dollars in an oil, like an oil crash. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's fucking, that is straight baller. If you can lose a billion dollars... <laughs> And still be wealthy enough to own an NHL team. You must have some serious fucking scratch. Um, so yeah, that was just it. Just to acknowledge, you know, acknowledge that he's passed and best wishes to his family. Basically, he seems like I, the... I, did, I think it was just I think it was like an old age stroke cancer thing because that's it's because I was talking to the wife the other night and I said, look, everyone who dies of old age now, it's usually cancer. Like all my grandparents who died at like a good age, all died of cancer. So. So I think it was probably something like that because there was nothing else mentioned in it. So I assumed it was just kind of like an old age thing. It says following a short illness, so I'd imagine it might have been pneumonia and then sepsis or something along those lines. Like eighty-one. <laughs> let's not let's not open up a sweepstake, shall we? On what was the cause of death? 
we got eight, eight to one on MRSA. Um, <laughs> but no, like eighty ones are solid innings, and um, Mr. Riddle seems yeah. he seems like the perfect sort of like the sort of owner that you'd want to be. Like yeah, you know, you've just got a stake in the team. You're part of an ownership group. Uh, you're not fiddling. You're not you're not meddling with the sort of day to day, a la every other owner in, in the NHL. And yeah, you've just got enough yeah. to be like, oh, I own the Flames. Or like, you've got a box whenever you want it, and you can you know, live out your childhood dream of being involved in hockey, but not being of any detriment to your to your team. Like, I think he, you know, knowing about Clayton Riddle for for a week, if that, yeah, seems like uh, you know, there are worse people to have owning your hockey team. Yeah, I feel like if you're like a GM or something, well, no, I suppose as a fan. You don't want to know the name of your owner. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's not sticking his fucking two p in every other every other week, and sort of you know making himself front and center. The the only like, way you want to know part like... time owner, part time vampire that we all know. Go on. Wait, who? <laughs> who's who's owner slash vampire? Oh yeah. <laughs> How can you forget was, that? We did like I, fucking two hours on it last week. I had absolute tunnel vision on uh, on Tom Dundon for some reason. <laughs> no, he's a scam artist. Allegedly, <laughs> rumor has it. That the only re- the only way you want to know your G- your owner's name is if he's like a proper super fan. He's down on the glass every day with his shirt off, and he's got a big low team logo painted on his fat billionaire belly. <laughs> That's the sort of owner I want. Just throwing money left, right, and centre. Not not making any decisions, but just loving it no matter what. So much money he doesn't care. He's got you know he's got fucking um, he's got Bezos money or Elon Musk money. Where it's just like, can we build the stadium? Yeah, fuck it, why not? All right, I don't give a shit. Build it wherever you want. Cool. I, I want to see. You want. I want to see Elon Musk buy an NHL team just so he could be like, yeah, Eugene Melnick's a pedo. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> okay. Um This is getting dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, let's stop. Let's 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 talk about something else, but well, something else actually um I'll say a bit yeah, a bit sad. Henrik Zetterberg. Um oh, I was gonna say something a bit dangerous, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh had to retire this week. He's um I didn't realise I I obviously follow the Red Wings that closely, but he stopped practicing in January. Um Still played every game, but so didn't partake in practice. Yeah, he's had problems with his back, um, and went saw a doctor last week, uh, and was told that that was it. He was uh, putting himself at serious risk if he carried on playing. Um, the condition was obviously linked to uh, problems with severe arthritis, which sounds fucking horrendous. Arthritis in your back sounds awful. Um, and yeah, Ken Holland said uh, sort of came out and said that's it. Nothing can be done. You can't can't rehab it. No surgery is going to help it. Um, yeah, Henrik Zetterberg will uh, Hall of Famer. Um, it's hard, isn't it? Like he's under appointment game, so is he? Like for me, yes. But then I'm of I'm of the Zetterberg generation. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah. So me too. There's that. There's that bias of like, yeah, he's a great player, but is he a great player for the last hundred years of hockey and for the next thousand 
well, not a thousand years of rocket, it'll probably end in 2030 after the 14th lockout, but um, yeah, like, is he, is well, he he's, gonna... not, he's not one of the best players, he's not one of the best players in the last 100 years because there's only been 100 of them, Will. So. But, absolutely, so not really a Hall of Famer then. I, I think I think he'll make it in. I think him and Datsu can make it in. Um, and I think that's deserved. But yes, it's it's a rough way, rough way to, for it to end. Did you um did you hear about all the stuff when this first flared up at the Sochi Olympics? No. So I'm going to butcher this very badly because this was an article I read ages ago. But um, basically, it, it, to my understanding at least, it first flared up really badly in 2014 at the Olympics in Russia. Um, and it was so bad that he was so he was rooming with Gus Nyquist, um, and he was basically on his knees, doubled over, because that was the only, you know, relatively comfortable position he could be in pain-wise. Oh God! He couldn't move from his hotel room, and he was sending Nyquist down to the McDonald's on the Olympic campus to bring him McFlurries because that was the only thing he could eat. Oh God! And that's it. Just a little bit funny, but very sad at the same time. Like, uh, and think about this as well. He then played for like (laughs) three three more seasons. This is the thing, but I I keep thinking because it's been well documented that this is the year that his his um, his salary takes a bit of a nosedive, and it sort of was penciled in as the year he was going to retire anyway. Yeah. And yet, it's not being treated with the same sort of uh, scepticism that the Marion Hosa pseudo retirement has been. Which is that's true. Yeah. On one hand, I'm thinking, yeah, that's fair enough because it's been well documented that he's had back issues. And yeah, as soon as you say like he's got back issues, that's a bit different to oh, I'm allergic to my equipment. But is it that much different to I'm allergic to my equipment? If he was still earning like seven million dollars this year, would he firm it? Like would he would he sort of push through the pain? Do you know what it is? It's because it's because nobody can relate to my uniform makes me itchy. Everybody knows everybody knows somebody who's had a bad back or had back problems or spasms or even in extreme cases, like got like become paralyzed or something through a, a back injury. Like you everyone knows that somebody in some respect somewhere who that's happened to, or, you know, not in the most severe cases, but at least someone who's got a bad back. So you can kind of relate, like even us, you know, I've, I've not, you know, I've, even there's some nights where I just lie on the floor and go, oh, I need to stretch for five minutes. I feel a bit iffy, you know, and it's like my back and I think, oh yeah, that's a bit iffy. Oh, but oh. I've never put on a t-shirt and thought, oh my God, I want to rip all my skin off. And people just can't relate to that. People just don't, like, he's got an itchy skin. I fucking, get the fucking back on the ice, you big girl. Oh, my uniform. Oh, poor me. But it must be awful. <laughs> but because it's not like a a kind of, I don't want to say a sexy condition, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no one's going to no one's gonna care. Are you Whereas, saying... You know, for Zetterberg, it's, oh, he's back. It's awful. Uh, are the images of Henry Zetterberg bent over on all fours in a Russian hotel room... <laughs> Conjuring sexy images for you, <laughs> being being constantly fed in ice cream, <laughs> being, <laughs> being force fed McFlurries by Gus Nyquist, by a manservant. <laughs> Feed me, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Fucking hell. sighs> 
There's a special true, place though, in hell it? reserved for people. It's true, though. It's true, though. I, I, I firmly believe that. And I think if part... Byron Hosh would come out and said something that is like a, a known, like really bad thing, like oh, that you know, my knees are shot. You can, you can look at it; they're just terrible. He's got like scars, and like you know, they're all crumpled in. Like oh, poor bastard. But he says, "Oh, my uniform makes me itchy." People go, "Fucking whatever." Like, oh yeah, whatever. Because that's not something you hear of ever. And and I think like it's partly like the perception is partly linked to the franchise more than the player like if if Zetterberg was on the Blackhawks or the Wings were in a similar position to the Blackhawks where you know they've been the boogeyman team for the last few years after having won three cups in six years and and it feels like it's going to severely benefit the Hawks to not have Hosa on the con on the books and then be able to use that cap space like would we be looking on it, on it a bit differently if you're thinking oh, yeah, they could really do with shifting Zetterberg's money anyway. Yeah. Whereas, as it stands, like, the Wings are likely going to be crap whether they've got Henrik Zetterberg or not. And to an extent, they don't need that to re-sign any major players a la, like, Chicago with Artemi Panarin or, or now Brandon Saad and that sort of thing. Yeah. No, that's a fact. That's, yeah, another good point. Another it's, good point. It, it seems like it's more... Um, more like a, a hate towards the the franchise and the player itself, sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good. That's a. Uh, that's a good way to look at it. Um, I do think. God, I'm I'm probably going to debunk this at some point with my with like a reverse thinking of what I'm going to say about the Hall of Fame. But you got a guy here who was drafted in the seventh round. Won a Conn Smythe, won a Stanley Cup, won a World Championship, and an Olympic gold medal. I mean, if nothing else, you would think just to show. I know, I know, there's stories like this all the time, but just to show somebody, just work hard. Yes, you have to have some talent there, and sometimes it might be missed in scouting or whatever. But if you work hard and play your heart out, you can get the benefits. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look what he did from the seventh round. Nobody would have ever predicted it. You're just looking at a guy thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just pick him up. You know, it's the Tom Brady thing. Yeah, we'll take him. We'll, we'll see what he can do. And then, he, and then he, he gets all these accomplishments. Then part of you would think, you know, just to be in the Hall of Fame to say, look what you can do if you work hard. I think, you know, that's something definitely to be considered. Yeah, I, I think that definitely works in his favour. Like, absolutely. It's... Not just to play devil's advocate, but it's a hard thing with with late round picks from that era, because like you say, it's it's a blind spot in scouting. Like yeah. Zetterberg and Datsuk were both late round picks in an era where Detroit were one of the few teams that were heavily scouting Europe, and even yeah. you know, not to turn it purely onto Datsuk, but even Detroit weren't deliberately scouting Datsuk. They just noticed him because they were scouting someone else if memory serves. But but yeah, I, th- I think. It's, it's similar to Martin San Luis, undrafted, dropped by a thousand and one different clubs, and then finally made it. Ended up winning a Hart Trophy. Or, uh, was he Hart or just Art Ross? Whatever it was, Martin San Luis carved out yeah. a fantastic career for himself <clears throat> after being undrafted and a, and a diminutive player. So yeah, I, th- yeah. I think for me, I think the the Hall of Fame definitely has to to relate to sort of circumstances around players' careers, not just their actual or nice accomplishments. And like you say, Zetterberg has both. He's got to be one of the few, if not the only, seventh round draft pick 
who uh, is a member of the Triple Gold Club. It's true. It's funny, isn't it? Because if you said that if you had a if you had a top five pick, say twenty years ago, and they just retire, and they're less than a point per game, they've won one Stanley Cup, a World Championship, an Olympic gold medal. You just say, "Well, is he that good, really?" Because he was just like a top five pick. Because in my mind, he's a seventh round pick. I'm thinking he has to go in. Look at all he did. <laughs> and it's like a weird kind of. It's like Crosby. No one's gonna. Like, the majority of fans are not going to appreciate Crosby for at least another 15, 20 years. It's just a, like a recency thing where you just, in your brain, you're like, well, yeah, he's, he's like the, he was the golden boy and, you know, he should win three Stanley Cups. It's so fucking hard to win a Stanley Cup. It's so hard. And we just think, yeah, he should win three. Why shouldn't he win three? And like with Zetterberg, while he had some fantastic offensive numbers, like he had a 92-point season, he's always been like a solid two-way centre. More than like, you know, just your point compiler sort of thing. Obviously, point compiling in the NHL isn't as easy as it sounds. But um, so I think there has to be some sort of um, allowance for that in, in respect to his point total over his career. But still, to be like he's got what point nine or something points per game—that's still fucking impressive. Hell yeah, that's no mean feat, as they say. No. Alrighty, uh, something I wanted to mention to you. Uh, I, I was watching um, Christ, what was I watching? Something on YouTube, and they were talking about the um, the Nylander contract, um, obviously with the Leafs, and. The point was made that do you think if Lou was still there, this Nylander thing would still be going on? Because I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but it just it just made me think a little bit, and I just thought, oh yeah, you might you know there might be something in that. Is that obviously when they were talking about resign, the press were talking about resigning Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, and Cal Duba said, well, we can and we will. And I was thinking, do you think Neon's agents, what well, agent or people heard that, what they were said and thought, oh, really, motherfucker? It's going to be that easy, is it? Well, we'll, well yeah, we'll see about that. No, do I you d- think this is, Do you think there's anything to that? I, I don't necessarily. I don't think, like, having Lula Morello there would have. Obviously, it would be a different situation because there's a different GM doing a different style of negotiation. There's, you, know, you can't say it's going yeah. to be exactly the same. But, um,. I'm trying to remember the other people, but this, uh, the agent who's representing William Nylander, he represented Johnny Goudreau and someone else on, yes. who's, my, who's, who's slipping my mind, another player who held out into the start of the season in recent, excuse me, recent years. So it's not unheard of for no. you know, players who are involved with this agency to, to play hardball, as it were. So... And Goudreau didn't re-sign until October, didn't he? Was it? Yeah, like October? there were like, there were definitely like quite a few games that had gone. I feel yeah, like the season. Started, I think yeah. I think the season has started. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, like it's it would obviously be different with with Lou Lamarillo there, but then it'd be different with any other GM there. So I don't necessarily think that that um, you know Dubas saying that comment about we will sign all of them. I don't think that's enough of a sort of. There's nothing in that. That's just a yeah. Of course, we're going to sign them. Like any GM would say that in that position. I don't think that's enough to cause any slight to a player or the agent sort of thing. I think it's just. Oh, I I don't know what it is. It was 
it's obviously just a, a difference in opinion of, of what sort of contract Nylander should get and and this again it's an agent who's shown they're willing to wait whether it's going to be fruitful or not um, you know Nylander's probably looking at the Leon Dreisaitl deal saying I want the Dreisaitl money Dubas is probably looking at more you know Ehlers or Shifley or hell even looking at Nazem Kadri to a, to a certain extent uh, and saying look you're more of a six million dollar player rather than an eight and a half million dollar player and it's just one of these natural things that you get um, I'd imagine he's probably signed before the start of the season but we'll we'll have to wait and see I, I wouldn't if I was a Toronto fan I wouldn't be too worried about the state of play it's just the nature of the beast isn't it do you think Nylander has any kind of um, not hold but do you think he has a bit more power here because he could almost be... This is going to sound totally stupid on me, and I don't mean it to sound like this, but I can't think how... To, but you know, like the first domino to fall in the... Well, the first guy, the, the roadblocks come up to the first guy and already you've not signed him. Maybe Nylander's thinking, well, if I... You know, I have a bit more power here because they don't, they, they're going to want to sign the first guy in this trio to, to make sure that the others go, oh, okay, so that's been sorted out, that's all fine. To to an extent, he's he's a bit of a pace setter, isn't he? Really? Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. Because like whatever Nylander signs for, say Marner has a fantastic season this year, and obviously Matthews is in theory going to carry on having great se- seasons. Come next year, when they both need to resign, they're going to be able to look back and say, "Well, Willie got this. I've done as well as Willie, or I've done better than Willie Nylander. I deserve this now." Almost like the adverse of the dries out on McDavid sort of thing, where dries out yeah. looked at McDavid and said, "Oh, McDavid has twelve and a half. I'm worth at least this much because I've had X amount of points." They can say, "Well, about performed Willie in the last three years, so um, fuck you, give me forty million sort of thing." So I think that's yeah. that's an interesting one, and that's going to be where you know Dubas especially wants to keep Nylander down, and even more so like. I don't know if I'm if I'm Nylander's agent. I'm absolutely using that in my negotiation. I'm saying, yeah, you're going to want yeah, to keep sure. me down, but if you want to keep us down, I'm talking seven and a half rather than six. Yeah, it's a ba- you're going to have to balance it for sure because, like you say, if he goes in too low, it's just a slap in the face, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then I think that's that's just part of negotiating, isn't it? Yeah, you're going to go in with like a yeah, it's a four point nine. And then, you know, another part of it could be whether Dubas is trying to go in for a bridge or the other side is trying to go in for a bridge and, and someone's going to try and go long-term. And it's there's so much more to negotiations than, than we think there is as a as a fan sort of thing. You know, it sounds so easy to say, oh, just offer him eight years and eight million and it'll work out. It's like, well, it's not... It's never quite as easy as that, is it? No, no, for sure. It's just, I think it's... It's obviously more interesting because the talk all along was about those three players playing at the same time, wasn't it? How are they going to do it when it comes up? And then they land Tavares taking 11 million off the cap. Mm. So now you're thinking, okay, now how are they going to do it? Now it's even more interesting how they're going to fit those all those players together under the cap. Yeah, because if, if all works out, you can have four players, you know, Tavares, Nylander, Marner and Matthews, that if it works out how they want it to, are all worth $10 million. And yeah. we've never seen that. No, so it's yeah, it's, they're breaking new ground in in many ways. Uh, the Leafs, like they've got to have the 
to an extent, like in, in this era of the cap, the most number of, of you know, young, promising, genuine quality players since since the Oilers. But then the Oilers re-signed like Nugent Hopkins and, and Eberle and Hall back when everyone was getting five years, 5.25. That era is gone and you're, you're skipping out the pseudo-bridge deal and you're going straight into your long-term as many dollars as you can get sort of thing. So really, the, the Leafs are the first to break that sort of ground. So it, it will be interesting. I think what you say about the first domino to fall very much plays plays into this situation here. All right then, should we do this uh, as I as I wanted to do for the past three three times? We just ran out of time. Me and Will decided we were going to look at um, which teams we think should maybe try and tank, or even the sort of tanking for any of these teams is it a good idea uh i've got the odds of one two three four five six or seven of the teams i looked at um this is the odds to win the stanley cup by the way and i also write down what what picks they've got coming up this year um i wanted to mention i just doing a little bit of research into it it was it was really interesting that we keep talking about Colorado obviously having uh, the Sens pick, the first, first round pick. And it's that thing again that I feel like I need to remind people that even if you have a bad team's pick, there's no guarantee you're going to get the first overall pick. There's a there's a chance and there's a, you know, there's a bloody good chance that Colorado are going to get it. But and to be fair, to be fair, because it's Ottawa's pick, they probably will get it, just to heap more, just to heap more misery. But but at the same time, franchise. you can look at that franchise and say there could be some relatively unknown AHL goaltender gets a call up in February, goes on the tear, and they're just about squeaking into the playoffs. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure, anything um, can happen. Dan, I'm going to need you to vamp for what I'm going to label as. 240 seconds. Okay. Starting now. Oh my god. I wonder where Will is off to. Alright then. I'll tell you about these uh, these little things that I sort of looked at. That there's no yeah, there's no guarantee on tanking. Uh it just gives you a better chance of winning a lottery. And and even that isn't even winning a lottery isn't a guarantee. Um the first two players I thought of were obviously Eichel and McDavid. Um, just, I mean, the the race at the time to get those two players was ridiculous. And I know, I've said it before, I know Buffalo fans are always going to say, well, we're fine, we know, we're fine getting Jack Eichel. They wanted Conor McDavid. They got Jack Eichel. Still an absolutely fabulous player. I mean, you know, they were saying that these are two, the, the, the two most obvious sort of one and two coming out of that draft. And I think this year uh, showed that there was a clear number one, obviously Darlene, but the number two position was kind of up in the air. Everyone kind of predicted the top three, but nobody was completely concrete on the number two pick. Whereas when Eichel and McDavid were the first and second pick, that was it. Yeah, those are the top two. More than likely McDavid's number one. But Jack Eichel for sure is number two. In the three years since they've been on their teams, combined, they've played 13 postseason games between them. You need more than a first or second overall pick to 
to have any success. It's the infrastructure and everything else, which is why, I, which is why I went, when I when I looked at it, I, I was obviously thinking, oh Christ, like the Oilers have picked. God, the Oilers have had the first pick in sort of like the last seven years, eight years, something like that. Um, obviously, the pink. Oh, hello, are you back? Oh, I am back. Was that a bit of a giveaway? It was a little bit. I was just talking about Eichel and McDavid and that tanking doesn't guarantee success. That They were two generational talents, taken one and two, and in the past three years, they've played 13 postseason games combined. The, the, so obviously drafting one and two isn't a complete guarantee. But then there is the other side of it. Go on, can you say, say something about Eichel and McDavid? Well, in... In certain, like, like you were saying about drafting one and two isn't a guarantee. Like it can, in certain years, be a guarantee of getting a good player. But then, at what? Oh yeah, for sure. At what cost has has come from that? Like you know, if you're having to get around all the all the players around you, you know, so you've got no team to support your fantastic, you know, superstar, a la Colin McDavid or Jack Eichel, are you setting yourself back longer, you know, further in the long run than if you say? Well, like like Toronto, yeah, they had a really bad year that ended up in them getting you know Austin Matthews, but they still had players like Nazem Kadri, Tyler Bozak, JVR, Morgan Riley. They hadn't mortgaged those players off in order to guarantee that first overall pick. So it's yeah, it's it's a really hard one. Like, I don't I don't necessarily know if if super tanking is worth it. I know. Just because of the penguins. Well, go on, sorry. I was just going to say because of all the uh, all the variables that are involved in drafting. Yeah, you can have three yeah, years exactly. in a row. You have you have say a first overall, and then you have a fourth overall. You have a third overall. Like you can pick the players that are the consensus picks at that time. Anything can happen. Yeah, you think of like you Alexander Daigs. You think of Michael Dow Cole, who's fourth overall to the Islanders in two thousand and fourteen. Even even someone like Sam Bennett, who was um, third, third in maybe Dale Cole was fifth. Anyway, like there are plenty plenty of high picks that don't work out to be the players that they're meant to be. You know, they're not even yeah. necessarily particularly good players, let alone franchise ordering players. So it's yes, it's a, it's a really hard one, and it's not something that you have control over. I know, and that then and then I look to the other side of it. Obviously, the Penguins had Crosby at number one, Fleur at number one, Malkin at two, but it wasn't until like they, I mean they were they were sat on what supposedly was superbly extremely talented players. They had one cup, which was years ago, and it's only obviously they've won they won two in a row. So then those players are like, well, yeah, but you know the Penguins had these two players at number one and Malkin at number two, and they got three cups out of that. But there was a long time where that wasn't working. It didn't matter. They had those players. They couldn't seem to put them together. They, they had to so rebuild like, the rest of the team around them to get those yeah. second and third cups. Yeah, to make to then say to to then give those players that kind of accolade of oh well they've won three cups, and then obviously you go to the Blackhawks, Taves at three, Kane at one. There's the other side of it where you could probably say that yeah, those two, they just built the the. They just built all their teams around those two players, and they had great supporting casts for those two players. Um, and in different postseasons, there were different players who 
like obviously Ala Duncan Keith stood up and were like, "All right, this is going to be my postseason. I'm going to make the difference here." And then there's that, you know, there's that side of it. The um, well, it's, it, if we can just pause on the um, on the Black Hawks for a second, yeah. they're a fantastic example yeah, sure. of um, what you need to do around your star players. Like yeah, like you said, Taves and Kane both top five picks. Kane himself being a number one pick, but Duncan Keith. Brent Seabrook and Corey Crawford are all were all integral parts of those three yeah. cups. Duncan Keith being one of the best D men in, in the world, and he was drafted in the second round. So, yeah. you know, it's all and like anyone could have drafted Duncan you could have drafted Duncan Keith with 30, 30 overall, you know. You could have drafted him anywhere you were in the first round and to an extent anywhere in the second round. Like you know, definitely early second round. It's not just about hitting on the obvious picks; it's about hitting on the on the harder picks as well. And you don't need a lottery a lottery pick to guarantee that you're going to get good players in the second, the third, the fourth, whatever it's going to be. That's where you get the most value out of. It's about players overperforming their draft uh, position. Yeah, a number one overall pick is expected to be a point per game player. Let's say, you know, Conor McDavid is is outperforming. Your average number one pick, but he's still only performing as well as you'd expect Conor McDavid to perform. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Whereas you need again your Duncan Keiths to turn into a number one defenseman from like forty fifth overall or whenever he was. You need your Henrik Zetterbergs, don't you? Mm. Seventh round, winter con Smythe. This is exactly it. Like as much as a championship is built around superstars, it's really, as we say, time and time again built around the sporting pieces because you know superstars are only on the ice for a third of the game yeah um, yeah so, uh, linking to Zetterberg in the, the Red Wings win four cups from 97 to 2008 between 1992 2013 they never drafted higher than 19th absolutely yeah. <laughs> that's a crazy stat <laughs> that's insane Absolutely mad. Like um, Dylan Larkin in 2014 was their highest draft pick in 20 years, and he was 14th overall. Like, it's just madness. I know. And he's won four cups in that time. Four. Like that's that's a bit of a different example because that's spanning the um, the non-cap era, and like say the 2002 team where you had like true, you know Luke Robitaille in your fourth line. That's a little bit of a different kettle of fish, but <laughs> but I still get where you're coming from. Cheeky. Yeah. So yeah, the Predators won the President's Trophy last year. Um, I'm fairly certain, and I, I did a quick check on this, but I couldn't see a single player that they'd picked inside the top ten. Uh, they had one, as far as I'm aware, they had one top five player who was Ryan Johansson, who who wasn't even their pick. They obviously got in a trade. Yeah, this is absolutely it. Like, oh, uh, Seth Jones. Seth Jones was uh, third or fourth overall. I forget. But in, uh, yeah, in but I mean, he wasn't on the roster. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't on the roster. Oh yeah, year, yeah of course. Yeah, they flipped him for the pre- you know they were for Johansson winning the President's Trophy. Yeah, this is absolutely six it. players. They had six players picked in the fourth round or lower. God, that's mad, so, isn't it? <laughs> See, this is that's crazy. This is the thing, Dan. Like, there's that that saying, you know, you've got to build through the draft. And it's so easy to take that uh, on face value by saying, oh, you have to have dra- high draft picks. Yeah. It's, building through the draft isn't just about having high draft picks. It's about, you know, hitting on every single 
not every single pick, but again, not to sound like a broken record, but finding value out of those deeper picks. Like, well, Jake Gintz was a fifth-round draft pick, isn't he? For the for the Penguins. Oh, I think he was. Yeah, I want to say he was definitely. He definitely. I don't think he was a first rounder. He was. He was late enough. You look at players like, um, you know, my beloved Dallas Stars, JB Ben, fifth round draft pick, John Klingberg, fifth round draft pick. This is a that's a player that's won won a lot of Ross and been nominated for the Norris. Like, that's where you get the edge on other teams by finding value where other teams aren't expected to. Jake Gensel, third round, seventy mm. seventh. But still, that is still this is a player who's what he's basically a point per game in the postseason out of the third round. Yeah. You'd never, you'd never expect that in a million years. No. Yeah, because you're right. Because I was, I was saying before that the Oilers have made the playoffs once since 2010, and they've picked first overall four times. That's crazy, isn't it? And that's two Hart Trophy winners they've uh, picked out of that. Yeah. What I mean, that's any, that's any, you know, that's that's sort of PS4 bullshit where you duke the system somehow and you, you get like like I said before I've, I've done it before where, where I've had sort of five first overall picks in my team at the same time maybe I've not picked them but I've had them but they had them and they had them in the system and it's it's done nothing that's it's going to be crazy that that's going to go down in history as you know there was a team with with yeah four first overall picks all on the same team at the same time Yakubov, McDavid, Hall and uh, Nugent Hopkins all on the same Nugent team Hopkins. and they uh, as of yet have done nothing with it but I think that's another conversation for another day isn't it but I think I think um, it's it's the Bill Belichick thing in the NFL is that he likes lots of picks because he knows once you get past maybe the top 10 I mean even then it's not a guarantee but there's more than you know it's more than likely um after that, it's a crapshoot. It's an absolute crapshoot. So you just you just get as many picks as you can. After you get past the first round, yeah, if you can get the first overall, great. The chances are that's going to be, a, if if not a generational superstar, because you don't get that many of them, obviously, it's at least going to be a player who you know for sure can play in NHL and do a job. And that's good. That's like that. Okay, that's that person taken care of. He's in. After that, just get as many picks as you can. Just get as many as you can. Third round, fourth round, fifth round. Doesn't matter. Just get players in there. Because you can't, you know, it's that It's that you can't measure desire. You can't measure work ethic. You can't measure, I want this so badly, I will give up my whole life for the next 15 years to play this game. You just, you know, you, you can't see that in statistics or analysis or anything like that. Um, but you, you see all the models of like, measuring the value of draft picks and, and the general consensus is once you get to fourth overall there's a massive drop off in value yeah. so to to an extent there's no difference between 15th overall and, and 35th overall no. providing you have an effective scouting staff you know, you're going to be able to, to find that value it's yeah it's a funny old one isn't it it's a funny old one because you know a player can a player can not technically be a bust. There, there's a difference between making the NHL and being an impact player, isn't there? And everyone likes to think that their first overall, their first round pick rather, is going to be an impact player, whether you're picking first overall or thirty first overall. When yeah, the, exactly. the reality is, you know, if you get a decent, yeah, an average to decent third liner out of your first rounder that's outside of the top ten, then you're, you know, you're laughing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and again, it's we're thinking about you know okay which teams which teams should tank, but even then, it's not that simple because you can't. <laughs> like I said before, like you know, like winning's a habit. If you get into that mode of, okay, we're going to do our best to try and lose. Does it just breed a losing mentality around the franchise and around the, around every part of the team? It's you know you just you want to keep winning all the time, because that's the business you're in, right? <laughs> this is it's a hard one with that whole like losing mentality and oh we want to breed a winning culture, because my logical brain says no, of course that doesn't affect anything. Like you know these these are professional athletes; they can come yeah, in and sure. say so true. But at the same time, like, if you work in a crap workplace where there is no expectation to succeed, like, there is going to breed that that bad culture. And I don't think tanking is necessarily worth it. It's not worth the, the extreme lengths that some teams go to. Obviously, to an extent, we can't... Um, blame the woes of certain franchises a la the Sabres and the uh, and the Coyotes solely on their uh, their willingness to tank but you can't ignore the fact that these are two teams that have been open and very intent on tanking and the fact and the position they're in now like you can't you can't ignore those that correlation these are two teams that have thrown everything away in, in hopes of losing as many games as possible and getting as high a draft pick as possible and not having made the playoffs for X number of years. Yeah, and you just get that, like, it's like a, it's like a, a stench, isn't it, that you just can't seem to get off you. It's a it's such a weird thing. It's Like you say, yeah, I agree with you completely. Your logical brain says, don't be stupid, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference if, you know, so you lose... You lose forty games this year, so what? You'll you'll win forty next year. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that, and it's crazy. But it doesn't. You've just got to look at Ryan O'Reilly as Exhibit A for the culture of losing. Well, I was, again, I was I was about to Matt, like the Matt Duchesne trade. The second he leaves Colorado, they look they look like a different team. Like McKinnon just is a different player. Probably without a guy in the locker room just bitching and moaning every day that he wants to leave, just bringing everyone down. And as soon as he leaves, like he said, didn't he? Like I'm sure, like one of the players said that I'm not trying to. I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but you know we're not trying to say we're glad he's left. But it's hard sometimes when you're trying to play, but someone doesn't want to be here because because that's all you're hearing all day, isn't it? Oh, fucking hate this place. It's shit. I can't get rid of it, and it just wears you down. Well, that's almost an argue, argument for logical brain, if you know, from where I'm standing, because they've removed this one piece that was clearly a negative influence on the locker room, and the rest of these players who have seen just as much losing as Matt Deshane had have the ability to make the playoffs next season. Yeah, you're right. I got totally confused in myself then. <laughs> <laughs> you taught yourself in circles. Yeah, I did completely. But yeah, but I, yeah, it did. It makes sense that yeah, okay, you, that you then get rid of that negative, that negativity around the locker room, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, a winning mentality then breeds more winning. It, that makes sense. Um, Absolutely, okay. and and to almost contradict myself, it's it's an argument of both really because it's an argument <laughs> that yourself, no, you're talking yourself round. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start my own uh, my own podcast where I just argue myself for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> it's it's an example of. Uh, of a losing mentality affecting certain players and certain personality types 
because yeah, it's all it's all well and good to look at a team and say, oh, they're all hockey players. They all think the same. They all react the same. They absolutely don't. In in the same way that a player will react well to like, you know, the the sort of coaxing coach where he's like, oh, good try. I want you to do this a bit more, a bit better next time. You know, we I believe in you. You can do it. Compared to you know your old school sort of fuck you, your shit guy, and prove me wrong sort of thing. There are there are going to be players in there that losing a lot of games in the season is going to affect badly. A la Matt Duchesne, Ryan O'Reilly, versus some players who can you know look the the adversity in the eye and say I'm going to do better next time. So it's it's all uh, all nonsense and doesn't make any sense. Dan is what I'm trying to say. Yep, that's about right. All right, let's have a quick look at these teams then. Uh. Longest dodge, Ottawa Senators, 200 to 1. No surprise. Pardon me. God, that was awful. This year they have, uh, they got two seconds, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and two sevenths. Well, <laughs> should, the Senate, should the Ottawa Senators tank? Purposefully, not even by accident. Uh, <laughs> they, even, they don't even have a choice, do they? <laughs> I, think, I think whatever they do, it's all just going to go terribly anyway. Like, just do whatever you want to do. Senators, like, you know, if you tank, you haven't got your first round pick. If you try and do well, you probably won't. Um, <laughs> in, in, in the words of a pseudo famous rock band, let it be. So, what about the weather happened to those guys? Anyway. Yeah, who, who knows? I heard one of them died. Uh, Detroit, next longest, 150 to 1. Uh, a first, two seconds, third, fourth, three fifths, a sixth, and two sevenths. I like a lot of picks there. I like that three fifths. That's a proper yeah. I like that proper NHL eighteen move. That <laughs> took a fifth in as well. All right, yeah, take it. Oh, cool. I'll take it. Well, I've got a player I want to dump for salary. I'll take a seventh round pick. Yeah, yeah. I'll get him up on books for that. I'd have been laughed out of the city if I'd have said no to this deal. Well, you've got Martin Hansel for four years at four and a half million, so fuck you. Um, yeah. <laughs> see, I was coming into this conversation, Dan, with the, the idea that you shouldn't tank whatsoever. Like, there's no point tanking. Sort of, you know, as, as much as, you know, it's, it's a bit of a defeated statue, but let whatever... B B, yeah. Don't actively tank, but if your team's shit, then it'll all work out. It'll all come out in the wash, sort of thing. Yeah, just run with it then. So I'm going to say Detroit shouldn't tank, but hope that they are shit because they've got some. They've got some good young pieces. Eh? Like Dylan Larkin's a good player. Anthony Mantha seems to be coming into his own. Phillips Zadina should make the team out of camp. Um, you got arguments for players like Michael Rasmussen might make the team. Um, the defence uh, that's another question entirely but like it's, and they had two firsts last year didn't they yeah yeah they, it was Zidina and Valeno like and for like picked up Valeno late <sighs> whose stock seems to kind of really fall yeah yeah really did like um, oh I read something the other day explaining that but he's playing so many video games and he can't stop that was exactly it he was addicted to Fortnite <laughs> He was already in yeah. a, an FA meeting, Fortnite Anonymous. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I think they should hope for a high pick. But 
Detroit are in a, in a hard position, but they can't really tank if they're not fixing games. Like they haven't yeah, got true. any assets that they can get rid of that anyone's going to want that they want to get rid of. Obviously, people are going to want the aforementioned Larkins and the Manthers, but they're the young players that you want to build around for the future. Yeah, you can't offload Justin Abdulkater for anything worthwhile. And quite frankly, if you get rid of Abdulkater and replace him with an AHL player, he's probably going to do as well as or better as Abdulkater does. So it's... <laughs> it's a piece of object. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely does. Like, stay the course and, and just expect your top five pick next year is what I say for the Red Wings. Uh, Coyotes, next 100 to 1. Uh, first, a second, two thirds, a fourth, and three sixths mm. in another NHL special. Mate, you, if you're if you're John Taker at this point, you can't fucking tank, can you? Like, no. You absolutely can't. To be can't. fair, as well, the Coyotes are kind of everyone's, like, I've said this like a few weeks ago, but they're everyone's kind of sleeper pick this year, aren't they? They're, they're the Hurricanes oh, of the West, really, aren't they? Some, yeah. They'll surprise some people maybe this year. I mean, when you when you look at the roster, like Derek Stepan, perfectly good player, like played plenty of years in New York, where he was a fine player. Um, Alex Galchenyuk should be a perfectly good second centre. Dylan Show might turn might have his breakout year. Um, you know, might turn into a fantastic centre in the league, which everyone expects him to still do. Got Clayton yeah. Keller, who's a great young player. Dvorak, Fisher, even players like Lawson Krause. Brendan Perlini, um, you know, the list goes on, Jacob Chikrin, um, Oliver ekman Larson, like they've got a decent decor, they've got a decent goalie, they've got decent forwards, like it's just about super young roster as well. Super really young. young. Even even their new addition, like Alex Alex Galchenyuk is what, twenty four? And they've brought in like yeah, twenty four, yeah. Twenty four, they've brought in like Jordan Ursterley and uh Vinahina Strozier, like they're still a young team, like there's no point all, all you're going to do if you're the Coyotes tanking now is like doing like ending up where you are now if that makes any sense like you're just going to sort of swap out the players for other players like you're not you're not swapping over the hill veterans for younger players you're swapping younger players for what will become other younger players like it's you've just got to sort of take what you've got now and deal with it yeah, at some point you've got to make the move, haven't you, to think, right, that's it. This is the season that we... I mean, to be fair, maybe they were going to do that last season. Obviously, but the start, where obviously the goal has been injured and stuff, and they just had such a disastrous start that they were never going to get back in anyway. So maybe they just thought at that point, all right then, like 20 games have gone already, we're never going to claw it back. I mean, maybe they should have tried, I don't know, but maybe that was just their thinking. Hell, maybe they did try and they just couldn't, like... <laughs> That's the thing. Maybe after all this time, they're just a bad team. Well, like that. When you're spending the majority of your season with Louis Domingue in goal, like, there's only so much you can do, in it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. The problem is, as well, is that obviously when Liam Kirk makes the roster, that takes away another spot, doesn't it? <laughs> this time next year, when you've got a, a first line of Liam Kirk, Alex Galchenyuk and uh, Clayton Keller, it's going to be absolutely dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, the Canucks, 80-1. to 1. Uh, a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, two sixths, and a seventh. Um, I was thinking about the Canucks, and obviously we throw a lot of shade at uh, Jim Benning and the sort of progression that their supposed um, glacial speed rebuild has been. But then I was thinking about Winnipeg, 
And you know that for years it just we all could have like, oh yeah, the Jets again. Yeah, okay. And then this season was the season that oh okay, this drafting building a team through the draft actually does work. Um I'm not saying there's a chance that this year that's the Canucks, but should, I mean, should they? Would they? You know, to get that because they. Uh, God, again, we've said like how many times about the Canucks that they statistically, I think they're the worst team aren't they, in NHL in the past three years, but they've drafted something like fifth, seventh, and sixth or something terrible like that. I mean, at this point, do they just? <laughs> at this point, do they just think it's not? There's no point tanking. It's not going to work. We're never going to get that first overall pick. Or should they try again to get that bona fide sort of megastar that they've never had? I, I think they've just got a sort of steady course, a bit like a bit like the Red Wings. Like they've got some good young players that are going to come through. Like we've everyone must have seen that Elias Pettersson highlight of him, absolutely Deacon Ryan Strom Ryan Strom out of his life. He's oh, uh, yeah. Ryan Strom's officially dead now. Like he's legally dead because <laughs> he's just gone deep deep down his skate so hard. Um, and they've got other players like Jonathan Darlin, Adam Goddett, Quinn Hughes, obviously, Ollie Levy. They've got a couple of good goalie prospects coming through in Thatcher Demko and uh, Michael DiPietro. Just just carry on. And I think the comparison to Winnipeg is fantastic there. I haven't even mentioned bloody Bo Horvat and Brock Besser. Like, that's how... Yeah. If they just carry on letting what will be what will be... Because, you know, Pettersson's going to be a great player, but I don't think he's going to turn into Colin McDavid and stop them from having a high draft pick this year. They're still, you know, while they've got good young players, they're not good enough to change the fortune immediately. Over the next few years, they're going to get a few more good high prospects. They've drafted well. They've proved that they can pick out good players. They're going to, I, I think they could quite easily in sort of three, four years be the next Winnipeg Jets, really. I think you're absolutely spot on there, Dan. There we go. There we go. I'll take that as another win for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say so. It's like it's. You I don't get many. Yeah. You know, <laughs> tank, but don't tank, sort of thing. Yeah. Do you see? Uh, do you see? Um, Sven Berchi's through the legs, no luck goal. Oh mate, I, I, I love where he's like so committed to it that he play falls over when he's when he's <laughs> taking the shot. I know he put some stink on it, didn't he? As well, it wasn't just like a flick. Like, he like come on, on, like fucking went for it. Okay. <laughs> So I want to absolutely rocket into the back of the twine. It's good. Like I think, I think again in a couple of years there'll be an exciting team to watch where they've got Pettersson in full stride and Quinn Hughes is is on the back end feeding him. That's going to be when it all comes full circle. Vancouver are going to be a good team to watch. Definitely. Uh, a couple more. Uh, the aforementioned Canadians: a first, two seconds, a third, two fourths, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Plenty of picks there. Um, they're still desperate for a. Well, I mean, we, I guess we're going to see how. <laughs> still desperate for a. Finish that sentence. Um, if you all said centre at the same time, give yourself a point. They sort of gambled, didn't they, on uh, Kotkiemi at the Kotkiniemi at this year's draft, Suzuki in the Patriot trade, the aforementioned um, Man Mountain fighting machine, Max Domi's there now playing centre. <laughs> I I just find it. I mean, even to have them in the conversation, is it Montreal fans? There's no way. I just couldn't imagine for one second they would accept anything close to a tank. Would they? 
like with with the Canadians, I want to be boring and and again say just stay stay the course, whatever will be will be. But I can't envisage a world where Mark Bergevin could go more than five minutes without having a little tinker, just a little. Like, <laughs> I'll just I'll just have a little just a little trade. I just want to. It's just you know, there's that one guy that I don't like. I just want to trade him. I just want please please, Mister Molson. I just want to get rid of this one guy. Jonathan Drouin, yeah, I know I traded for him a couple of years ago. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I just don't like him. I want to trade him for... Um, it's got to be an older player if he's not quite as good. Or or, or another young player that doesn't doesn't play the position he wants them to play. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he traded Drouin for Sergachev. It's like Sergachev was much younger. So he still oh traded God. older, didn't he? I'm not saying I don't mean older player like he's thirty odd. I mean older is in older than the player he's trading away. I just want to trade him for Riley Smith. That's all I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I want Riley Smith, please, and Nate Schmidt. That's it. That's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> just one Riley Smith, please. Get me, get me closer to those stakes. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I... also as well, you've got you've got a fucking you've got a goalie getting paid ten and a half million a year. That goalie, that goalie ain't gonna tank, is he? There's no way. I don't think they have a choice but to tank. They're missing their their number one defenseman, arguably their only defenseman who isn't Jeff Petrie, uh, for half of the season. Again, Kerry Price probably isn't gonna play more than thirty games this year, just because that seems to be the hand that the hockey gods have dealt him. They're gonna tank whether they want to or not. Max Domi's gonna get himself suspended when he fucking stabs John Tavares in the open, <laughs> on opening night. <laughs> He's going to pull a shiv out of his skate and be like, fuck you! <laughs> proper, proper prison shanking where he like rips his guts out after after stabbing him. Like it's going to be, it's going to be brutal. Like you know, uh, it's a sharpened toothbrush. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, condolences out to Tavares and his family, but um, <laughs> you're still by Max Domi. It's just how it goes when you tangle with the Canadians and Bob Bergeron. It's true. Uh, Islanders. First, second, fifth, sixth, seventh. Holy shit. That's not good, is it? That's not good. I'm going to... Five picks. I'm going to say don't tank. Yeah. Just because you don't have any fucking picks. And and again, they've got... It's not even don't tank. There's no point. They've got (laughs) an alright team. They've got an alright team. As as much as losing Tavares is a terrible thing for any team... You think you've got Matt Barzell, good player. Anders Lee, I love a bit of Anders Lee, good player. Yeah, um, Brock Nelson, he might not have turned out to the player that you want him to, but he's going to be a good third-line centre for you. Uh, Josh Bailey, good player. Uh, the players coming through, Oliver Wallstrom, Noah Dobson, like Nick Leddy's a good player. Obviously, he's not a prospect, but you know what I'm getting at. I think just steer the course. Let Matt Barzell steer you into the uh, the beautiful golden future. And and accept that uh, you're not going to make the playoffs and probably pick about twelve, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, across the way there, the New York Rangers. A first, two seconds, a third, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. The second can become a first if the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup. Oh, but you want to tank and you want to trade all of your players to the Tampa Bay Lightning so you get that other first. <laughs> yeah. And they are they are in a, to be fair they are you know they are in a rebuild. Admittedly so. Um, I mean, was the rebuild only for that 
since the trade deadline? Was that it? Was that the rebuild? Are they going to really go and go a whole season and try it again? Uh, they have still got like I guess they like they still got good players. Like Zucrell is still there. Do like a bit of a I like a bit of Mika Zbinajad. I think he's good. And they still got some pieces there. And of course, Longfist has only got has he got two more seasons left? I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Did you gear up for that last Hank season? Maybe put it all on the line. Tank this year. Go for it next year for his big send off. I I don't think management should tinker too much either way I don't think they should gear up and I don't think they should strip it down because I think the players that they've got are good players that you want to keep around a la the Leafs of a couple of years ago with Kadri and, and JVR and Bozak and, and Riley like you know yeah. Brady Shea's a good young player like I like a bit of Chris Kreider like you said Zabanejad's a fantastic player even even Pavel Buchnevich he's going to be a good player one day I don't think there's too much that they can strip away any further that isn't going to detriment the team. There are a couple of players like you know, Mark Stoll that they could do with getting rid of, but nobody's going to take Mark Stoll, so that's just yeah, that's a, that's an exercise in futility sort of thing. So I think they just need to you know not deliberately tank, but accept that they probably are going to end up with a top ten pick this year, and that's a perfectly good thing to end up with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then last two, just for kind of lols, uh, the Sabres. Uh, sorry, I didn't give the odds. Montreal seventy to one, Islanders and the Rangers both six six to one to win the cup. Mm-hmm. Sabres at sixty to one. Cool. Uh, two firsts because I think the other one's conditional, isn't it? For either team, either San Jose or oh, who's the team? St. Louis. Yes, uh, a third, a fourth, two sixth, and a seventh. Wouldn't it be hilarious if the Sabres had Darlene, Eichel, and Jack Hughes on the same on the same team? That'd be uh, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? And then especially when you throw in uh, Katie Mittelstadt as well. Some Mittelstadt uh, as well, yeah. That'd be the right right core to build off, wouldn't it? Um, again, it's it's another. I don't think they should tank. I think they might flirt with the playoffs because they've got a good team now. You know, they picked up Connor Sheary, Jeff Skinner. Yeah, they do. The the D is still a bit wanting, but then uh, they've got a couple of players like Brendan Gould could turn into a good top four piece for him if, if everything drops right. They've still got Ristolainen and they've now got Darlene. Um, if Zach Bogosian has, has an all right year, he could be a perfectly fine number four sort of thing. Like they, The D's not as bad as it could be. Um in goal might be a bit of an issue, but they got Carter Hutton as their number one now. That's yeah, not as convincing as I'd want it to be, but pff, you never know. You never know this league. I think, I think they're a bit like the the Coyotes, where they have to just, well, especially after the moves they made this summer, they just have to accept. Right, this is it. Let's see what we got. Let's go for it. Let's not try and lose any games. But um, yeah, it'll be it'll be intri- I'm I'm intrigued by the Sabers. Similarly to to how they were a few years ago, when they picked up like Carla Poso in uh, in free agency, and when they got Ryan O'Reilly, like it's it's going to be interesting to see what they can do this year. And then the last one, we have to do it, of course, just for lols. Colorado, two firsts, a second, two thirds, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. And of course, we all know that one of those firsts belongs to Ottawa. This is no brainer, right? 
They should tank hard. Oh, mate, you got to tank, tank <laughs> as hard as you possibly can. Send every single player that you can down to the AHL. Anyone who doesn't require waivers, send them down. Send send Nate McKinnon home because he needs to, um, you know, make sure he doesn't injure himself between now and the trade deadline. Like just. He goes to Eric Carlson's house. <laughs> you, uh, you know, best case scenario for for the Avalanche is to end up with uh, Jack Hughes and Capo Caco. Like, what what more could you want out of life? Fucking hell. That that said, for for the Avalanche, like they could play a a good season, you know, as good as they played last year. But the Central is such a slog that they could still miss out. Like there are teams yeah, in that's the. True. There are teams in the Pacific that have gotten better. Like I think the Pacific's going to be more of a challenge to the Central this year than they were last year. And you know, you yeah, s- definitely you say that, and still only um, I'm trying to remember. No, five teams from the Central got got in last year, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, Winnipeg. No, four, four. Oh yeah, because the Stars, uh, the Blues, and the and the Blackhawks. <laughs> There you go. Like, I think the Pacific has gotten better compared to last year, and four teams still made it in last year. So I think there's definitely a chance that, that the Avalanche won't make it. When you consider that the Blues have gotten better, the win- the Jets and the and the Predators haven't got any worse. The Wild, I think, are the one that can be dislodged. But then that's still you know competing with the Stars and the and the Blackhawks for for that fourth spot. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be. Excuse me, going to be an interesting one for the for the Avalanche this year. I really think so. There we go, folks. Uh, Christ, a long one again this week. We didn't even plan on doing it this long, did we? I didn't think it would be I this did, long at all. I was going to say, I didn't think we had this much to talk about. I know. Again, somehow. Anyway, it's like we said before, though, when we go off air, we always say, we're just happy to talk to someone. <laughs> we're just happy to have someone to talk to about hockey. <laughs> I just want a friend. So we, have no, we have, yeah, we have no one to talk to about hockey for this long, usually. Um, cheers for listening folks get in touch with us on Twitter I am at Dan Straits Edge Will you are at W-E-V-E-V-E-R-E-T-T and there's a two Brits one fuck Twitter account at number two number one uh, yeah nothing else to add really Will any last words um, but in the pre-season roll on opening night yeah not long to go take it easy folks we'll see you later peace